I'll tell you who was badder than Old King Kong and meaner than a junkyard dog. It was uh, a guy named Ricardo Tessera who shot someone on I-15 in the same area I had my problem last week. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Drop and Friend Show, August 20th, 2013. We are here once again around 7 p.m. I won't say at 7 p.m., but around 7 p.m. For another show And I'll be honest We don't have a very Large agenda tonight So uh, I'm going to go through What we have planned And then afterwards It'll be kind of like a free form show Where people can either call in Or ask questions in the chat room So that's what's planned for tonight But the good news Is that we're going to have a co-host And I'll just put him on right now Before going any further with the show and here he is, once again, China Maniac. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Druff? What's happening tonight? Yeah, so I'm glad to have you back on the show. I know you've been our most frequent co-host since it became the Druff and Friend show. And uh, glad to have you. I know you're popular with the audience that listens to this show. Everyone seems happy when you volunteer to co-host, so I'm glad to have you again tonight. And, glad to be on. Yeah, very good. So... I'm going to go over the agenda tonight, but before I do, as usual, we have a free roll. Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in our free rolls than any poker podcast in the world over the past year. You won't find one poker podcast that has given away more money. And the best thing about this is that the money comes from our users, not even from the site. Not from me, not from the site, from people who listen to this show. Who are generous Sometimes they even donate their own prizes back So this week we have $56 and 50 and, Let me try that again $56.50 in the free roll And that breaks down as follows It came from Belly Buster Who also runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room Where this takes place He gave $34.50 Bad Guy 23 You might be surprised to hear that he is Donating to the free roll for some reason, he might not sound like the type of guy to you who would donate money to the free roll, but he did, and we appreciate that. Bad guy 23 $17 from him, and Danzo, who was frustrated that somehow I missed the fact that he was trying to donate $5 to the free roll and was threatening to rescind the $5 if I don't use it. So I'm using it, and it was actually accidental that I missed his donation. I appreciate all donations here, large and small. So Danzo gave the last five the total of fifty six fifty. Here here's how the prize pool breaks down. Twenty five bucks for first place, fifteen for second, ten for third, six dollars and fifty cents for fourth. This is No Limit Hold'em. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. It starts at 7.40 Pacific Time. No late registration, so if you don't get in by 7.40, then you don't get to play. And it's totally free to enter. All you have to do is register a free account on the poker site, which is different than the forum, so make sure you have a separate account on the poker site and have that all done and registered. But that's it. You don't even need any play chips to register. You just go in and hit register and you're there. And show up at 740 and play. The only requirement for you to be able to win the money, and I say this every week, you need to have a registered account on the forum 
by January 1st, 2013. If your account is dated later than January 1st, 2013, then you must PM me, Dan Space Druff, on the forum, or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and explain how long you've been listening, or reading the forum, or whatever. What was that? I don't know. Weird. I was turning the... The, my microphone up a little bit. Oh, maybe that's I don't know. Just made a weird noise. Hmm. Anyway, uh, you have to. I think we've introduced an echo. I think that's the problem. Let me call you right back. I'll, okay. I'll reconnect you. So, technical problems right at the beginning here, related to Skype for sure. But uh, yeah, email me and tell me how long you've been around, what you've been listening to, the things you like, the things you dislike. Convince me you're not just here this week for the free roll. Convince me you've been here. Because I just don't want to give money away to people who are only here to play the free roll and not really take part in the site or at least lurk on the site. I prefer people who participate. I prefer people who post on the forum, call into the show, chat in the chat room, but you don't have to. I just want to make sure you're at least listening or reading. That's all I ask. Hey, Druff, actually, I'm going to throw in um, $7.77 tonight. To the seventh player that's knocked out of the tournament. So oh, that's weird. Okay. Whoever whoever gets knocked out um, seventh, not in seventh place, the seventh guy knocked out of the tournament gets seven dollars and seventy seven cents from me. Okay, so this is for the seventh player knocked out. So we can't even give the place number because it depends how many people enter. So um, you have to be careful when you do your math here. Let's so let's say we get forty people on the free roll. You would think, right. okay, that means I need to finish thirty third. No, it doesn't. It means you have to finish 34th, because if you count down from 40, 40, 39, 38, 37, 36, 35, 34, that's the 7th one. So don't just subtract 7, you should actually subtract 6 from the total number of entrants, and that's the place you want. Because that's the 7th person knocked out, just to to make sure there's no confusion here. And China Maniac, are you going to send me the 777 and have me send it, or are you just going to send it directly to the person yourself? Um, I'll send it directly to them if they want me to, if we can work it out. If not, I'll send it to you and you can figure okay. out what to do with it from there. All right. So that, that'll add a little bit of drama to the tournament, especially because uh, 777 is better than fourth place money. So right. maybe you want to shoot for that. Maybe you want to try to bust seventh to last. Probably see like 10 all-ins at yeah. <laughs> early in the tournament. I like that one tournament we had where it, like fifth place won the whole thing, and first through fourth got nothing. That's awesome. <laughs> I would have liked to see how that one played out. Yeah, so anyway, and, and that was done, uh, I forgot who did it, but someone donated that in honor of me finishing fifth in the 5K limit hold'em at the World Series. That's why they made that where fifth is what gets all the money. It's too bad that it wasn't like that at the World Series. I would have preferred that. So here is the agenda tonight. And as I said, it's not very long. Sometimes more happens in some weeks than others in the world of poker that's discussion-worthy. And I can't just invent topics to talk about that either don't exist or aren't really worthy of discussion for this show. So some weeks we have so much to talk about, I I can't get through it all. And uh, other weeks are like this where there's just less to talk about. So I thought this would be a good week to just take general questions at the end. So I'm going to give an update about uh, what happened last week 
If you remember, I was driving from Southern California to Las Vegas last week when someone literally tried to knock me off the road. I mean, actually hit my car at a high rate of speed and knocked me off the road. Tried to do this to other cars as well. And uh, despite a 66-minute, I shouldn't say a chase, but I was keeping track of the person and trying to report their position to the California Highway Patrol, they got away thanks to various fail on the part of the California Highway Patrol. So I thought that was that for the story. I told it on here on the radio last week, but there's a little bit more. Maybe. Someone got shot on I-15, the same stretch of I-15, just four days later. I had my incident on Saturday. This incident was on Wednesday, one day after last week's show. So late at night on Wednesday, someone on I-15, driving between Barstow and Vegas, just like me, got shot in a road rage incident and had a very similar car to what I had remembered seeing. Is it the same guy? I will give my opinion on that and explain what's going on. Full tilt poker. Everybody was thinking, hey, maybe we're going to have to wait till 2014, 2015 to even start getting our money. Well, guess what? Good news. The process to file claims for your full tilt money will begin on September 16th of this year. Less than a month from now. Beautiful. Now, you're not going to get your money on the 16th. That's when the process to start the claims is. But be careful because it also has an end date. And if you don't file a claim by the end date, then you may not get your money. And I'll explain all of that during that segment about full tilt. You know, there's a lot of high-profile poker pros out there. And a lot of people who listen to this show don't live in Vegas. Some have never even been to Vegas. Some are more fans of poker than professional players. In fact, I think that describes a lot of our audience. And it's easy to get caught up in the image of what a poker pro is. And I'm not talking about people like me or China Maniac who are kind of classified more as grinders. I'm talking about the people you see on TV all the time. With the nice cars and the nice clothes and traveling around the world and just spending money while it's like it's going out of style and you see them raking down these six and seven figure scores. And it's easy to be jealous of these people. Even, even for me it is. Sometimes I watch the lifestyle that these people live and, and I get jealous. I think everybody has at one point, but Faraz Jaka, who's a successful tourney pro recently, came out to shatter the image of the high-flying, free-spending poker pro. Now, he didn't really tell me anything I didn't know, but uh, this comes directly from someone who is in that lifestyle, or is at least among the people who are very much involved in that lifestyle, and I'll tell you what he had to say about that, and I'll give you my opinion about what he had to say. He's shattering the image that uh, it's not as glamorous as it appears. I'll tell you what's not glamorous is a 3% withdrawal fee on party poker. But nevertheless, they have introduced that fee to anyone who is attempting to withdraw using Skrill or NetTeller. Now, if you're a U.S. player, you might say, what? Skrill? NetTeller? I mean, I thought we couldn't use NetTeller since like 2007. Well, party poker is not open to U.S. players. 
So anyone on Party Poker can use Skrill or NetTeller. But there's now a 3% withdrawal fee. And there's even a dumber rule that has been introduced as well. So I'll talk about that and I'll give you my opinion about withdrawal fees. I will talk about a nightmare that one of our users experienced at a Caesars property. I think this is almost like a regular segment on the show. A segment about uh, Caesars fail. This is someone who went to Harris Atlantic City and woke up with bed bug bites all over his body, including his face and his ears. Ouch. I have been fortunate enough in my life never to have been bitten by a bed bug, but this guy really got it bad. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, how this even could have occurred at a place like Harris. And as I promised, at the end of the show, we will take calls and chat room comments and questions for both me and China Maniac. So that will be at the end, and it'll be like a free-form show. At, at that point, we won't necessarily be talking about poker issues or even gambling issues, just general stuff. You know, Whatever you want to ask us, within reason, we will answer. So... That's the agenda for tonight. If you want to call in, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You need to show your caller ID when you call. You can do that by dialing star 82 beforehand, or otherwise, it will not get through. But if you don't want to call that phone number, if you want to call a 702 number... You can call our Mount Charleston line. It's an old 70s phone sitting on top of burning Mount Charleston. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. 702-430-1808. Again, you have to show your caller ID. So, uh, just jumping right into the first topic. And by the way, the free roll starts in about 14 minutes, so get over there if you want to play. As you guys know... As I said at the beginning of the show and last week, I talked about it a long time, was my really, really scary drive on I-15. It's kind of a strange feeling when someone is going after you with such aggression on the road that they're actually doing things to where it's very likely that if they're successful in what they're trying to do, you will get hurt or even killed. And it's just a weird feeling. Like, is someone really trying to do this? How could this guy be doing this? Why is he doing this? But that happened to me last week. Someone said on the forum, oh, I think you just mistake that for some drunk guy weaving around the road. No, I've seen that many times in my life. I've been driving for over 25 years. I know the difference between a drunk who's just weaving and someone actually trying to hit me and other drivers and actually wait for us to come up to them and then try to ram their car into us. It's a very big difference. Anyway, I I wasn't going to talk about that again this week. I discussed it enough last week. Until a news story came down on the wire and I could not believe what I read. And um, let me read this article to you guys. Something happened on Wednesday on I-15. Now, the, where it happened to me was about uh, started about 70 miles before the Nevada border. I was traveling north. 
Well, also right before the Nevada border, a little bit closer than 70 miles, there was another incident on Wednesday. Now, what I had remembered, and as you'll see if you go read my original post about it, what I had remembered was seeing a small white car, older-looking car, doing this to me. Well, this happened on Wednesday night. A man suspected of a shooting near I-15 in Prim, which is the state line at, uh, you know, the I-15 went across into Nevada, pointed a gun at a driver while in mid-drive before opening fire and wounding him, an arrest report showed. Las Vegas Metro Police said Ricardo Tessera, 25, was arrested early Thursday morning in Las Vegas in a suspicion of a shooting that happened just off the highway near Prim. An arrest report released on Friday detailed a shooting that wounded Sharif Benton. A passenger in Benton's vehicle told the police in a written statement detailed in the report that Benton, quote, brake-checked in front of a white vehicle just after midnight on northbound I-15 because it was driving so fast. What do you mean by brake-checked? Is he was uh, screwing with a guy who's going fast behind him by slamming on his brakes. To Which is stupid, of course. The guy could rear-end you, but he was trying to screw with the driver he thought was going too fast. That's his Benton guy did this. Anyway, the passenger in the report said the driver of the vehicle then drove alongside Benton and pointed a gun at them. There was no gunfire at that point, the arrest report said. Benton, the passenger said in the report, exited off the freeway, but also noticed the other vehicle was following them. So, China, let's say this happened to you. Let's say you you intentionally slammed on your brakes to screw with the guy behind you who was going too fast. Um, If that guy then drives alongside you and flashes a gun at you, and then you exit the freeway, if this guy gets behind you exiting the freeway now, what do you do? Just got to keep driving. Right. (laughs) Would you ever stop your vehicle and step step out of it to confront the guy at that point? Not unless I was a skilled marksman and I had a nice gun with me. <laughs> yeah. So this this genius Sharif Benton gets off the freeway after that happened, gets followed, and then says, hey, you know what, I'm just going to get out of my car and ask the guy what's up. He seems like a reasonable guy. <laughs> I say, hey, why did you show a gun to me like that? I, I, I didn't appreciate that. So he gets out. Benton gets out, and so does the passenger, too. And, and said, hey, why are you still following me? So the driver of the white vehicle drove past him, rolled down the window, and shot him. And then drove off. That turned out that was probably, you know, almost surely that uh, Ricardo Tessera guy. So wait a minute, he just, uh, he pulled over and the other guy just rolled by, just kind of like a drive-by shooting and just shot him? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, th- he gets out of his car and then the, the, uh, the guy behind him just... Drives by, rolls down the window, and shoots him. Wow. And then drives off. This was at the state line on I-15. So, now, Benton was fortunate that he didn't get killed. He was shot in his torso, but it must have hit him in a way where it was not a life-threatening wound. He was airlifted to a hospital, but he's okay. So, Benton and the passenger were able to call 911 and uh, gave a description of the vehicle. I don't know if they had, maybe they had the license plate, because somehow, 35 miles away, in in Las Vegas, they pulled over the car, 
and arrested Ricardo Tessera. Now, he was driving a Nissan Maxima, a white Nissan Maxima. And I went and looked at what a white Nissan Maxima looks like on the web. And it looked just like the car that I dealt with. I'm like, crap! Could it really be the same guy? So, then it says in the article... To Sarah, the driver of the white vehicle denied having a weapon in the vehicle after being asked by officers, the report showed. Officers, though, located a black 10mm Glock as well as a spent shell casing in the vehicle, according to the report. <laughs> so, this genius here, after shooting someone and driving off, you'd think he'd be smart enough to ditch the gun somewhere in the desert first, not leave the vehicle and the shell casing from when he shot it in his car. So, um... He admitted that he owned the vehicle and the weapon, but then he said, you know what, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I, I want an attorney. So that was that. But yeah, it's, it's pretty certain that it was him who did this. So uh, he's currently in the Clark County Detention Center on battery with a deadly weapon and attempted murder without bail. So I think he'll be spending a lot of time in prison for this one. But uh, this really made me think Is it the same guy? Well, on the side of it being the same guy, the car is very similar. It was the same stretch of I-15. It was obviously very psychotic behavior, criminal behavior, trying to hurt someone based upon road rage. I mean, really hurt them, not like punch them. And how often would this really happen? You know, how what's the chance that first you have a car trying to knock people off the road, and then a very similar car four days later on the same stretch of road shooting someone? But there were two problems I had with it being the same guy. Number one is it was going the same direction, and this is not within Vegas. This is in the desert, going toward Vegas. Which means the guy, might, the guy might make that commute though, like he, he uh, might certain amount of times per week. That's what I, I did think it was possible that maybe I don't know where this guy lives. I know he's from California, but it's possible that maybe he came on Saturday, went back on Monday, and then for whatever reason he had to go back on Wednesday, or wanted to go back on Wednesday. So, so maybe that's what happened. The other thing was that in this story, and the whole story didn't come out until like a few days later. The guy who was screwing with me was going too slow. That was what started the whole thing, is he was actually blocking traffic by driving really slowly next to a slow-moving truck. Like, intentionally. This Tessera guy was driving really fast, and that's what made this Benton guy slam on the brakes to screw with him. So in one case, the guy who was messing with me was actually aggressively screwing with other drivers. Tessera was being screwed with and shot someone for that reason. So... The motive's a little bit different. I, I thought that Tessera was just like following him for no reason, or, or just he didn't like something he, that happened on the road, which I, I guess you can say that, but I, I didn't realize it was Tessera going fast and the other guy like aggressively doing something to him. But on the, the side of it being the same guy, what touched off this really crazy behavior the one I dealt with was when I flashed my brights at him. So in both cases, you know, the person has a temper... And then when something happens on the road they don't like, they flip out. But you could say that about any road rage sort of incident. If I had to guess right now, I'd say it's not the same person. Um, this has just been assigned to a detective, believe it or not. 
and that detective will be taking you know he'll he's going to start investigating it in two days. So I have not spoken to that detective yet. And you know I'm I'm just going to tell him my story. And if he's interested in hearing, if he thinks it can help the case, I'll be happy to tell the story. I'll be happy to sign an affidavit. I'll be happy to testify in court if necessary. Um, if he says, you know what, what you have can't really help, or if it's that uh, this is minor what happened with me compared to actually someone getting shot, and he doesn't really need that, given that they have evidence that he shot someone, then fine. But I would think this is actually, if this is the same guy, I would think it would help the case against this Tessera character because it would show that this wasn't like a one-time rage. It would show that the four days before he was going after other drivers. You might ask, how could they possibly prove it's the same guy? Me just saying it's a similar-looking car, and I know the first digit of the license plate, even if it matches, that that's hardly proof, right? But you're forgetting about cell phones. Cell phones can really pinpoint someone's location. And the stretch where I was, no one would just be there. It's not like I would pinpoint someone to Vegas, and you're like, well, you know, a lot of people are in Vegas. No one is on that stretch on I-15 just hanging out. No one. So, if you happen to be driving in the exact same spots where I was for over an hour, and I made four different calls to the CHP, and the times of my calls were documented. So if they could cross-check that with Tessera's cell phone, provided he has one, then they could see where he was on Saturday night. And if he happened to be exactly where I was, my exact position when I was reporting this happening... Describing a car that's very, very similar to his with the same first digit of the license plate, I would say that's very strong circumstantial evidence to add to the pile. Now, maybe they'd feel they can't use it, and they'll say, you know, thanks, but no thanks, we can't use this, and I'll say, okay, goodbye. I think it's the same guy. Hmm. What's your gut feeling? I, I actually think it's not. I think it's coincidence. I thought it was, I thought there was a higher, I thought it was about even 50 50 it was when I first read this. But um, I started to get away from it just from... I, I just was having a hard time picturing the guy who drives all the way back to Southern California and then all the way back again towards Las Vegas on Wednesday, four days later. And, um, and, and then this whole thing about the way it went down. It's just different. I had a guy who was trying to screw with people. Tessera was just someone driving fast who didn't like someone uh, slamming the brakes in front of him. In fact, right. the way Tessera may have seen it was that this Benton guy was risking his life? He was trying to create. That he was trying to create an accident. And he's like, "What the hell? You're gonna you're gonna slam your brakes on me when I'm going this fast? You're trying to make me hit you? You screw you! I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot you! I'm gonna shoot you for this!" Like that. I bet that was his thinking. But again, like somebody mentioned was mentioned in the chat. I mean, like a drug runner or something like that, or someone that's a gangbanger that like has to make that trip. You know, the guy had a couple of guns in his car. I mean, it's possible to make that trip a couple times a week. Yeah, like I that. mean, it, it, it's true. And the guy definitely looked like someone who who was like a gang member. He definitely had that right. look. In the uh, thread where I posted about it in Flying Stupidity, there's a picture of Ricardo Tessera. So uh, this guy looks exactly what you would picture. Like, like picture a Hispanic guy driving that car. Like, who would, who would have a gun in a car, a Hispanic guy who's like 25 years old? And uh, that's exactly what he pretty much is. Like, he, he looked exactly what you would picture him to be. Right. 
So, uh, so now, <laughs> what was the description you got? You got the first number of his plate, right? The a first four? number of the plate, and I, I didn't have the make and model of the car, but just a general description of the car being a white, kind of older-looking, uh, smaller car, smaller sedan. And Did I know you get the state plate? Yeah, it was California. But that, okay, you know, so. most of them are California. But, right. But, okay. but the thing is, a California plate beginning with a four, it's not super unusual, but most cars on the road are not starting with a four. Most are a six or a seven these days. So a four already is somewhat unusual. So if we had this guy's cell phone locating him in the exact same spot I was for over an hour, with the four right. license plate from California, with the same description of the vehicle, then it would have to be the same guy. Whether they could prove that in court, I don't know, but um, we'll see. Of course they could. They 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 would have your nine one one or whatever calls you made recorded, so they'd be able to cross check that with his cell phone, and it could put the same guy in the same place at the same time. That's what I would think. I think. I mean, I'll see. You, you never know what the police want to use and what they don't want to use, but I think at the very least, I owe them a call to explain what happened and explain you know the similarities I noticed and whatever they want to do, they they can do. And it's up to them. And once I've reported it, then I've, I've done my duty, and that's it. So, uh, in the chat room, Flipper Fair said, this story would be so much better if Druff got shot. Well, if I was just shot and I survived, it probably would be a better story. But if I was shot and killed, then uh, you wouldn't be hearing this story. Right. That'd be the end of the show. In fact, I've always wondered, what would happen to Poker Fraud Alert if I died? And I, I really don't know. Like, uh, it wouldn't go down immediately. But, like, like my family knows I run Poker Fraud Alert. So would they keep it running just in my honor? But then, like, who would actually actively run it? Like, my parents wouldn't take it over. My brother or sister wouldn't take it over. Like, they, they wouldn't be actively running the thing. I could see them paying the bill every month just, you know, in my honor. But right. I, I, I don't know. Would, yeah, like, if you get if you wind up getting shot, Druff, I'll, I'll take it over for yeah, you. Yeah, I, so. I should I should make a will a poker fraud alert will of who takes it over. <laughs> Maybe I should leave it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll gladly take it over. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, someone saying maybe Benjamin should should mod it. You know, Benjamin actually wouldn't be a worse mod than some of the other mods we've had over time. <laughs> so, yeah, it could be the the Benjamin in, in Friend Show. In fact, uh, let's see. I think I have a, uh, a sound a sound effect here. Uh, let's see here. Nah, I can't find it. I had a, a sound effect of Benjamin talking, but can't find it. I actually, uh, I had a road rage incident against me once. Uh, actually, a, a few times, close calls, but uh, I was actually on the way to my father's wake about I don't know, five, six years ago, something like that. And, um, I, I was in unfamiliar territory because um, town was about 45 minutes from here. And I took a turn, and this guy must have been bombing up the road because he wasn't close to me when I was turning. And all of a sudden, he just got on my ass, like, so hard. This is probably like a 35-mile-an-hour zone, and he was just on my ass for about a half mile. Then he pulled up on my side, same thing, tried to sideswipe me a little bit. Then I slowed down. He floored ahead. Then he was slowing down. And then he pulled up and he just parked his car in the middle of the road, blocking both lanes. <laughs> and I just wow. stopped my car and I'm like, you know, what's this guy going to do? And then uh, finally I just pulled into a He pulled into a lot and I pulled into a lot. 
I was saying to my sister, I'm like, I'm going to get out of the car and just beat the shit out of this guy. He's really pissing me off. This isn't a good day for this. And then uh, I actually get out of my car, and then I thought better of it. I was like, you know what? It's just, it, you know, I'm on my way to my father's wake right now. I was like, it's just not worth it. You know, it wouldn't be worth it anyways. But, I mean, you know, I'm wearing a suit and tie. You know, what am I going to get out and fight some guy? And yeah, then, uh, I always I, worry, like, you know, what if the person has a gun? I mean, we saw right here what happened. I mean, the, the, this right. Benton guy was an idiot piece. He saw the gun first and still got out of the car but uh, right. uh you always wonder if you're just gonna like step out and the guy's gonna pull a gun out and shoot you and you you may say oh that doesn't happen in real life well it just happened <laughs> yeah know? i mean it, it it happens a lot more than you know people would think i mean sure stuff like that happens every day somewhere in some state or anywhere around the world but i that that actually crossed my mind and you know, when I got out of I got out of the car, and then I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'm just better off just taking off. And I just got back in my car, and the guy just stayed there in the lot, and I just drove away, and um, that was it. So nothing really happened, but you never know those situations. I mean, any situation can escalate from nothing to something as long as you're dealing with a crazy individual. You know, yeah. you just never know. Yeah, you always, and then that's what I've said to people who. Uh... People say, hey, why didn't you just you know, try to go around him or floor it around him? Like, Once I saw someone willing to actually try to knock me off the road at high speed, that's when I've determined this is not a rational individual or even one who cares about his own safety. And uh, it's just not worth it. I, 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 I wanted to hang back and still see where he was to get him caught and get him off the road, but I wasn't going to take any more chances than that. That was like the limit of chances I would take. And someone asked, was my son with me? No. And if my son was with me, then I would have just completely backed off and let the guy get away, because I, I wouldn't risk my son's life like that. But I, I figured since I was by myself, I was willing to take the chance of just hanging behind him at a distance and keeping track of where he was. And, um, you know, as, as I said, um, if, if Ben was in the car, then I, I would have had uh, Benjamin just say to him, And uh, that would have been that. Isn't it, though? It's pretty amazing how tilted people get, like, from, you know, somebody cutting them off or whatever. I mean, I know it's frustrating and everything, but just, like, some of the stuff people do, you know, like, uh, you know, driving into cars or whatever. You know, this guy gets shot. It's just, like, I don't know. People get really tilted from, like, any anything that pisses them off on the road. Not everybody, but, you know, there's just some some nutty people out there that just really get really take it to the extreme you know speaking of nutty people uh, when i said that maybe i'll leave poker fraud alert to you in the will yeah. a hockey guy just said in the chat uh oh china's going to kill druff now <laughs> so yeah that's one thing you have to watch out when you make a will that uh the beneficiaries there don't want to kill you to get to the whatever you leave them first right. so so uh, anyway let me Get to the. Uh, I'll get to the other topics, and I'll let you guys know next week what the police say when I speak to them about this uh, Tessera character, if he has, if it has any thing at all in common with what happened to me. Right. And you know, someone asked me also privately, not on this forum, but someone said, you know, hey, you really want to testify against someone like that? And I said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do it if, if if it helps the case against them, I'll do it. Right. So. Anyway, I'm going to a poker topic now. Full Tilt Poker is going to be starting the remissions process to American players. And that's uh, very good news. 
it was reported on this show, thanks to a mistake by card player, that uh, it wouldn't happen until sometime next year, maybe even 2015. But, it's much better than that. And uh, here is what was written on uh, a blog by a guy named John Mahaffey, who makes, he's written a lot of good stuff, actually. But uh, August 16th, Garden City Group to open Full Tilt Poker Claims September 16th. That's this year. The Garden City Group, and that's, of course, the company that is managing the Full Tilt refund for the government, announced that emails will be sent out to former U.S. Full Tilt poker players with instructions on how to submit a petition for remission starting September 16, 2013. Instructions for the process will also be published on FullTiltPokerClaims.com FullTiltPokerClaims.com This is the same website today's announcement was posted. Players will have 60 days to submit a claim. The remission application process will close on November 15th, 2013. So I, I don't know what happens after November 15th, but that's uh, um, that's pretty bad. That uh, if you don't get get it done in time, I wonder if you don't get your money. So make sure to, to put your application through in those two months. Yeah, I'm sure they would have some. Um, if there's probably going to be plenty of money left over, so I'd say if like somebody was like serving in Iraq, or you know, if someone shot someone on the side of the freeway and they had to go to jail for a couple of years and they missed the claim period, um, you know, they might be able to. Um, you know, they they might be able to pick one up later, but yeah, you know, it's maybe, only it's only guaranteed if you do it within those dates. Yeah, maybe Ricardo Tessera had money on full tilt. He won't be claiming it for a while. Yeah, but, he he definitely won't. <laughs> so, so hopefully hopefully he's listening and um you know he could potentially figure out how to um you know how to get his money back. So uh, I, yeah, I, th- I think you're actually describing the way it'll probably be that uh, if you don't respond in those two months, that they'll give away the first wave of money and whatever's left over, then they'll give away a second wave of money after that, but if it's all used up somehow, then tough luck on you. Anyway, uh, any American player... So, players may no longer sign up for email notifications from Guardi Syndicate Group, so if you haven't already signed up for them to email you, then they won't. Any American player owed money from Full Tilt will need to visit FullTiltPokerClaims.com between September 16th and November 15th for instructions if an email is not received from the company. And this is not the date range when the players will be paid. Garden City Group will need time to verify each claim against records provided by Full Tilt Poker. American Full Tilt Poker players are the last ones to receive refunds. Players outside the U.S. received their Full Tilt balances when the site relaunched on November 6, 2012. These refunds were made by the Rational Group, which is the parent company of PokerStars. So so basically, we don't know when you're actually going to get the money. But between September 16th and November 15th of this year, you need to go to FullTiltPokerClaims.com. Once again, FullTiltPokerClaims.com, exactly as it sounds, uh, starting the 16th, and fill out an application, whether you get an email from them or not, to get your money back. Very important that you do that. I'll remind you guys on this show as it occurs. So don't let the government keep your money. So that's that's a good sign. Now, don't expect the money to come right away. They probably have to go through some sort of a lengthy process to verify it. But you may see your money by 
early 2014. You might. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, one thing I wanted to add is um, if you have a lot of points, I have a feeling you're going to be screwed here because um, I'm pretty sure that Poker Stars slash Full Tilt, when they relaunched Full Tilt, said if any U.S. players uh, were to move to Canada or somewhere abroad, that your points would be waiting for you in your account. So that leads me, and I know people that have moved. So if they've collect points, if they've collected their points, and then um, you know they still have to file for the remission for the cash, it's not like Poker Stars slash Full Tilt is reporting you know who they paid out points back to the government because this thing has already been settled. So I'm not saying not to claim your points, but I think more than likely they'll make it clear that. You can't reclaim your points, and it's uh, it, it kind of sucks for some people. I know a guy that has like thirty thousand in just points on the site. So I think in order to retrieve those, you more than likely you'll have you'll have to move. But um, you know if they're worth it to you, or unless full tilt comes back. But we'll find out on September sixteenth. I always felt that not paying these points at full value was basically like stealing. And I, I really got on Poker Stars for doing that because they they paid people their FPPs, but not all their FPPs. Right. Some of them were left over, and they paid you at a crappy rate depending upon uh, what your current status was. I'm not going to rehash that whole thing, but people did not get full value for their FPPs, and these were not just promotional things they gave you for free. These were considered rake back. They were marketed as rake back, and just because they hadn't been converted into real dollars yet, they were still rake back, and you should get them at full value. It would be like full tilt reaching back into your account and saying, well, you received this much in rakebacks, so we're not paying you this much. You're right. like, wait, no, that was real money. That was that was my money. Well, same with FPPs. So I, I was so annoyed when PokerStars did that, and, and people were so thrilled to be getting their money off PokerStars when Full Tilt did not pay them and when UB did not pay them, and getting their money so fast, nobody wanted to hear it from me because they were just so happy with PokerStars paying that uh, compared to the other two, they were angels. Right. But they still did something wrong. They still stole and uh, I, I, I thought that was really crappy. And uh, but I think you may have a point that since PokerStars owns Full Tilt, they may say, "Hey, your points are still sitting here. If you ever come back to the site, you'll have your points, and therefore you can't double dip. You can't get your points. Uh, you can't get your points and get compensation for your points from the government. And the government may have already decided that along with PokerStars. So we'll see." But people should be paid their points, but we'll see if we do. Right. So that's that's the story with, with Poker Stars and with Full Tilt. And uh, make sure not to let this slip by. You have two months to get it done, and I will give reminders on this show. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I don't shoot anybody in the next two months. I need to apply I need to apply for this remission myself, so Yeah. Hopefully hopefully I don't get in any road rage incidents here. <laughs> Someone asking in the chat, do you think it's worth the hassle trying to get 50 bucks back from Full Tilt? Answer, yes. Now, I can't say, I can't speak for you. Maybe the principle of that matter is not worth it to you. But for me, it would be. For me, even to get 50 bucks back, even if it cost me more than $50 in time, I just wouldn't want the government to keep my money. Maybe the principle of that matter is not worth it. Uh-oh. Hello? Yeah, hello? Hello. Hang on a second. Let me reconnect China Maniac. Uh, I screwed up. I answered your call the wrong way. Uh, caller, who uh -oh. is this? Who is this anyway? 
This is Lauren Klingfairy-ass. Okay, Lauren Klingfairy-ass. Hang on while I add China Maniac back to this call. Uh, as I said, I answered the call stupidly, and he got hung up on. So let me reconnect him. I don't want to have him miss out on whatever exciting stuff you have to tell us. All right, I'm back. All right, sorry about that. My fault. So, um, this is Lauren Kling's hairy ass on the line. Speaks pretty well for an ass. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, tell us the reason for your call. I just wanted to talk about the the Mulaney, Melanie Wisner. You had a big problem with her... Um, with her selling the the money to you know the lock poker money yeah at a discount, I don't understand why you think that's such a bad. If any, I I can see from the lock poker point of view, she's like doing something using her power to get over on them a little bit, but at the going rates, whatever it is, and she's paying above. And I'm sure she probably told the people, you know, that, you know, she has an in and I'll give you more than the going rate. Are you okay with that? I don't think she hid the fact that she was making something on it. I mean, if she's using her power to get people their money quicker and they're willing to pay for that service, I don't understand why you have a problem with that. Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. Here's my answer. First of all, I don't blame the people who needed the money immediately or who just were so uh, had such little faith in Locke that they felt that getting their money off at 75 cents of the dollar at the time was worth it, especially when the going rate was around 65. So I'm not blaming these people so much. It's their money. What they want to do with it is fine. Um, Are you and, blaming her? I, I well, think uh, yeah, I'll, I'll explain. Right, I'll explain whether I'm blaming her. Um, Melanie Wisner was, she had priority cash outs. She had a way to cash out that money quickly and get it at full value. So she was exploiting the fact that she was a pro to get the money off at 100% for herself within like a week or two, and they only gave these people 75%, which is a pretty stiff fee for that service. Even if they're doing better than they would have trading it on 2 plus 2, still she's making 25% off of the fact uh, that this site she is representing is so shady they can't even pay anyone. And and the worst thing about this is that it's not like she was doing this but said, hey, you know, they're such a mess, I'm not representing them anymore. I'm not going to bring anyone else into this mess. At the same time she was doing this, she was promoting the site and encouraging new people to sign up and deposit. And I guarantee those people had no clue that their money would get stuck on there. So that's and my problem. At the, and at the same time, I think she... Um wasn't she one of the ones that said she didn't have faster cash-outs than anybody else? Right. She, she, she was subject to the same withdrawal periods as everybody else? Right. She said that, and maybe when she said that, she did this in a misleading way, because when she said it, maybe at that point, she didn't have fast cash-outs anymore. By then, it was a few months later. But that's really li- leaving out a big piece, that just a few months earlier, she did have priority cash-outs and was making 25% off of people she was cashing out. And that's that's but, pretty bad. Ooh. Who is she exploiting? She's exploiting Locke. She's not exploiting the people. If she comes out and tells the people, I'm going to get 100%, and if you would like this deal, you're fine. You can, you know, I'm going to take my cut. If not, that's fine also. She's doing them a favor. If they have no other means to get their money off, she's not exploiting the people that are willingly 
taking the deal. Well, then why uh, wouldn't why wouldn't she post about this on a public forum then? Why does it all have to be done behind well, closed doors? Well, that that and the, there's a second thing See, is because she's exploiting Locke. She's it, not exploiting the people. I'll tell you one thing I know about Melanie. I played many heads up sit and goes with her on full tilt. I've watched many of her heads up sit and goes. I've seen numerous times in five thousand dollar sit and goes the turbos and were the person she's playing is disconnected and she sits out until the very last. She could have taken these people's money and I've seen people do it to her. You know, the same thing. I, I, she'll sit in three or four and I've seen her disconnect and people will jump on all four games and exploit her. And I've seen her sit out and wait for the person to come back until the very last second. Where well, I mean, that, okay, so, so that's so honest. I, I know she, she's not somebody that's going to rob the player, uh, you know, uh, a poker player. No, I, 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 think she, I, I actually I actually have a pretty good point here, I think. Uh, at the same time, okay, let's say there's 50 people waiting in line for uh, 10K Skrill cash-outs, okay? And let's say she's pulling off five of these a week. Well, that's five less other people, regular users, that are not getting their Skrill cash-outs, and she could be pumping through, who knows, five a week, five every two weeks? Yeah. And she's making money. She's making at the same time. She's making money. Well, it just goes to show you. I mean, she knows that nobody's that people aren't getting paid as fast, and scroll cash outs are taking three, four months. At the same time, she's exploiting the system all the while, knowing that nobody. Yeah, no. So so then you can speculate all you want. You can't speculate that that's what was happening because you don't know. It's all speculation. Well, I I can tell you that the scroll cash outs for people at that time were taking. Three to four months, U.S. checks are st- still haven't been paid, and she was getting faster cash outs behind closed doors. Sure, she's helping the person out that's getting it, but at the same time, sure, she's exploiting them, but at the same time, she's bringing in new users, and none of those people are getting paid. So, I mean, I think that puts her she, into a pretty strong part. All I'm saying is if I needed money and she would give me 10% more or whatever above the thing to get a cash out, to me, she's doing nothing but help me. If that's my only well, option. you know, you know how I kind of see it. I kind of see it like gouging people. I kind of see it like um, if there was some kind of uh, natural disaster or something, and then all of a sudden, uh, all the stores in town, all the grocery stores, jacked their prices up to ten times uh, for, for groceries what they were before, knowing people are desperate uh, for supplies. And uh, and then some other store says, you know what? Screw that. We're just we're going to charge. Uh, Two times what we were charging before. You're still gouging people. You're still taking advantage of them. You're just taking the least advantage because of the crappy situation. You're the you know you're the least of of, of the uh, of the evils there. And I I think what what Melanie probably rationalized to herself that she's doing these people a favor. They need their money off fast, and she's paying them more than they would otherwise get on two plus two. So so everyone wins here. The way she saw it, I I'm sure she didn't think, hey, I'm stealing from these people. Hey, you know, look at me. I'm 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 so slick. I'm uh, taking advantage of fellow poker players. I'm sure she went to bed at night believing she did the right thing here. But that doesn't mean it was actually right. And my 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 two big problems here were that um, she got she may have gotten some of these people onto the site in the first place by um, by promoting them, and then she makes money off of the site's misfortune or or mismanagement. I shouldn't say misfortune, mismanagement of the money. So I I would think when you promote a site and people come over to that site, maybe because you were promoting it. And then you make money from them because the site's such a wreck 
that they can't get their own money off theirs, then you get me, you get money from them when they came over because you promoted them in the first place. I mean, if I were the one promoting Locke and I had a way to get people cashed out, I wouldn't do it for any profit. I would do it for free. I would say there's 0% VIG because I feel so bad that you're on Locke in the first place when I've been promoting it. That's what I would I, do. I guarantee you if this was Poker Stars too, let's say she was a pro for Poker Stars and she pulled something like this, they would they would let her go and without even thinking about it. Well, I'm sure, yeah, that's why that's my point. Yeah, she's exploiting the site. I, I have, I'm not questioning that she's exploiting the site, but I don't think she's scamming the people that she did business with. That's my point. I don't think I, she's do scamming. Think, them. Do you think that an ethical site would want their employee, uh, you know, of taking advantage not. of, of company not. policy? We know Locke's not ethical, though. Well, yeah, I, so I, I agree with that. I, I'm, I'm just scummy at all in your eyes. Does that make you make her scummy at all in your eyes? No, uh, not really. I mean, she's scummy just for representing Locke. I'm, I'm not saying that you know that she wasn't. You know, obviously she was desperate to sign with somebody, and you know, I, I'm not saying that she's totally a great person. You know, I, I'm just saying that with. As far as the transfers, I don't think I don't see that she scammed individual people. Yeah, I think scam would be a I think scam would be a I think she scammed the people she was working for who were scamming everybody else. So I, I, I don't see the scam. I think that's a strong word. She isn't scamming anybody because they know what they're getting into when they make a deal with her to cash out at seventy five cents in the dollar back in and March. And I guarantee you, she told them that you know she's getting full value. She's oh, she did. Know, she did. She did tell and them. She told them, if I don't get your money in a certain period of time, I won't charge you that big or right. much. Right. And so, so for that reason, I don't call it a scam. But where I don't think it's ethical is I don't think anybody should ever make money off of a shady company they were representing off other people's misfortune for signing up for that company. That's what she was doing. You should never make money in that spot. You should, you know, right. it's one thing. It's one thing not to want to dip in your own finances. You know, you promote a shady company. Someone signs up. Someone gets ripped off. You say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I was just the promoter. I, I, I don't owe you any money." Fine, I understand that. But you shouldn't then find a new money making opportunity for yourself because that company you were promoting turns out to be shady. For people to get their money off there, now you make additional money that way. It's just, I, I think you should not make a dime when that happens. I think at the very least, you, sh- you should either do nothing or you should help out with people getting their cash outs um, without paying anything, just just out of as an act of contrition for bringing people over to that site in the first place, even if it's not the same people. Just the, the fact that she brought even one person into that situation, she should be doing this for free as a service yeah. to the community. That's That's what I would do, I'm telling you. And the bottom line, oh, is I have no 10, doubt you would. I, I, I'm the ten k that she she ha- would have helped this person out with. Like I said, there's people waiting months for cash outs. That's ten k less that gets paid out for other people, so she can benefit off people cutting the line, and she's still promoting the site at the same time. Um, and yeah, that list hasn't gotten any any smaller either. There's a huge list on two plus two. People still waiting for money, but um, whatever. That's just how it went down. And she still hasn't left there either, nor, nor have a lot of the other pros. Uh, most of the she other pros have not left. She hasn't even spoken about the anything and about that, that site. That's the worst part. That like nobody's. We had the. We had a few people leaving during the summer, earlier in the summer, like you know Gank and a few others, but um, everybody else stayed. I don't get it because if they've proven time and time and time again that they're shady. Right. So I, My, the only way I think that these people are staying on, I think they they have to be getting paid. 
I mean, you know, otherwise, I, don't you think they would have left by now? No, I'll tell you what I think it is. Um, I think that, well, it's a few things. Some of these people are so broke that they just, they hold out hope that uh, somehow Locke recovers and then their income stream resumes. They don't want to burn that bridge. Other ones have money on there and may want to, may hope that the speedy cash outs for themselves resume at some point. Right. Oh, yeah, that's, I, I didn't think of that really until now. Um, but like when that guy Pellegrino came out and made that, uh, did that interview with uh, Seriously Serious, that kind of makes sense now because I think he has like a good amount of money on there. And for someone like him to leave the site, you know, it could be up over six figures we're talking about here. Um, you know, so. I don't know. It's just uh, it's a bad situation, and I don't know. Hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, we can just encourage people not to deposit on there. Yeah, and by the way, that um, someone asked in the chat room, did Druff tell off Wisner at the World Series of Poker? Otherwise, this lock poker stuff is nonsense. Well, I have to disagree with that, that, that I can definitely present my opinion of lock poker and the pros without creating uh, in-person confrontations with uh, young girls at the World Series. But uh, but I'll tell you honestly why I didn't confront her at the World Series, the biggest reason. She actually spoke to me directly on Skype um, shortly before the World Series, like in late May, and, and told me that, uh, you know, that, that you know, she's not the monster I'm making her out to be. You know, she feels, uh, you know, she was hurt by the stuff I said, uh, um, that, she, that she's working behind the scenes to try to either make it better or... or figure out conclusively what the truth is and if the truth is that they really are just completely shady that she's leaving. And so at the time of the World Series when I was seeing her around, I was still like waiting to see what she would do. And this is also before I knew about her selling off these funds back in March. I found out about that after the World Series was over. Now if I saw her today, you know, I I, I don't know what I would do. because uh, Now if she was wearing a lock patch, it would definitely say something. If she wasn't wearing a lock patch, um... I don't know. You have to understand. It's easy to talk like a big game on the internet, but um, when you're at a poker table and you're a guy in your 40s and and you're sitting next to a young girl, and uh, or even you see her in the hallway and you're like attacking her, like immediately everyone wants to jump to her defense no matter what, mm-hmm. except for like the really knowledgeable people. Like everybody else just sees this 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 big jerk attacking a young girl, and um, you know, it it also would look even worse like if we were standing there in the hallway because I'm like more than a foot taller than her too. So like, <laughs> like it would just look like I'm the ultimate bully there, and I could say, wait, 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 she's representing lock poker. I don't think people are going to be very receptive to that. So that's why sometimes uh, if it's a female, I, I'm sometimes hesitant to really create a big scene unless they're like if she was wearing a lock patch, then I have more of a reason. Say, hey, you're wearing a lock patch right now. You know, look what they represent, look what they're doing, and then people that's something tangible people could understand. I could say, hey, this site's stealing people's money. I, I'm pissed that she's wearing this, and people deposit, seeing that Melanie wears this. And uh, But she wasn't wearing a lock patch. No, none of them were. I think I think Jennifer Larson told them not to. So. All right, guys, have a good show. I'm going to hang up. All right, thanks for your call. All right, bye. That's uh, Lauren Kling's hairy asshole. <laughs> That's a great name. Great, great name, and uh, you know I appreciate his call, even if I don't uh, agree with the, the point he was raising. I uh, appreciate people calling up and, and bringing up these points in the show. Right. Uh, someone said in the chat, uh, "Is that like when you bugged Helmuth, you attacked a girly man?" <laughs> so, I did uh, confront Helmuth uh, at the 
feature table of the main event in 2009, but they edited it out so it didn't make TV. And I was warned that if I continued, that I would get a penalty. And, and the weirdest thing, though, was was a year later, in 2010, Helmuth just walking around, you know, in the World Series in the tournament room, approached me and wanted to know if I hated him. And I've told that story before, but he was a, it was actually important to Helmuth that I didn't hate him. That's, that's all he wanted to talk to me about. Right. Helmuth is a tough guy to explain sometimes. He really is. It's uh, you, you like to uh, you know, bring him down to sound bites and assume he's just this uh, walking caricature of a guy who whines at the table. But there's a a lot of weird things about Helmuth that are hard to explain. That, that was one of them. Like why 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 on earth would Helmuth care if I hate him? You know, he's this huge name in poker. I'm compared to him. I'm a total nobody. So why does he care if I hate him? But for some reason, he wanted to stop me a year later and make sure I didn't hate him. Uh, right. t- maybe, maybe he respects your opinions. You know, you, yeah. uh, he knows he knows who you are. He knows you've been around poker for a long time, and that you know you stand up for a lot of people in the poker world. So, all right. So we have people. We have uh, two people on the phone here. TMML Gay. Hello, you're on the here. Yeah. What's up? Okay, and uh, we have a caller here. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? This is Lucky You from the Forum. Lucky You from the Forum. Like, uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on Ultimate Poker. I was just going to do a quick review of it. Um, basically, not so much the software, just the pros in general. All right, go ahead. You, you want you want yeah, me to so, review it? You, you want to review it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I guess a little bit of both. So I was playing three six versus Magic Antonio, and I noticed. That oh, what the? Hell? What's going on okay, here? Snap this guy okay, off! Okay, okay I had to, sorry about that. I had to get rid of uh, Team ML Gate. He was interrupting the phone call. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I noticed what happened is there at the twenty five or fifty buying tables or blind tables, I should say. And I just noticed they play it as if they're grinding it out. And I was just wondering, do you feel it's helpful at all? Because, I mean, why not put some action out there and at least make the games better? Because it's kind of a pain in the ass to deposit and withdraw. Um, I just don't really see the point of having them as representatives if they're going to do that kind of stuff. So, what exactly was he doing? Yeah, so I'm what not understanding. What, what was Antonio doing? Well, I mean, basically you're just playing it as if you were grinding the stage just very, very tight. He was short sacking. He sat out against. He sat out when he got short handed. Oh, really? <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know. I, I just expected more than that because I only went to play that secret just because he was there. You know, um, that that's interesting. I, I didn't know he did that, but uh, you know, it is hard to picture someone like Antonio who um, played the million dollar buy in. I know that he, he didn't have 100% of himself or even. Most of himself in that, but you know he wins eighteen million dollars. That uh, um, most of that is uh, kept by uh, Gila Liberté. But uh, this is obviously a, a very high stakes player, especially recently, and a very successful player recently. And, and to see him playing twenty five fifty like a nit is probably off putting to some people who weren't expecting that. And then, you know him sitting out when he gets shorthanded. I do have one theory. Maybe somebody else was on his account. Maybe he let someone borrow his account who uh, didn't have the bankroll to risk there. Yeah, I was wondering that as well, but I figured either way, 
you know, why even have him as a representative or sit at that table? And also, it was only 3-6, no women. It wasn't 25 Oh, it was 3-6? Oh, so okay. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't anything massive. Wow. He basically gives out an alert saying a pro sitting down. Also, I had an issue with the software as far as you're able to fly south, where you could quit instantly and then sit back at the table with whatever short stack you have before. I mean, even for a beta, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Well, so wait, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with quitting and coming back with the same stack? Well, you can do it within the within a couple of seconds or so, where you don't have to give someone an opportunity to sit down as long as the seat is open. So you could leave with a no a few thousand and then come back with a min buying. I mean, at least oh, you know you, with most other sites. Oh, you're you're saying you could actually come back with 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 uh, fewer chips than you left with. Yeah, you could do it instantly. You just stand up and sit back down. Well, okay, that's obviously a bug. That, that's that's clearly wrong and no limit to allow. Uh, I, I thought you just meant the people uh, who got short stacked were able to uh, leave and come back with the same short stack without with the min without the min buy in, and that I don't see a problem with because it's it's that's like they never left. But uh, but if if they are leaving and coming back with a shorter buy in, that shouldn't be allowed. And that's called rat holing. Uh, yeah, that's right? called rat holing. Yeah. And um, but as far as Antonio, I have to say, if if he was at a three six game and playing like a nit and sitting out when it got short, that really does look like it's someone else on his account. Because uh, I, I thought you were talking about twenty five fifty, which still you would think. I understand your point. Like if he's going to sit in these games, he, he should add some entertainment value and not just be the the, the super nit. Or otherwise, why even have him play? But I, at least twenty five fifty is some can be some real big money. Three six for someone like him. Is nothing, and, and while he shouldn't just go all in every hand or something stupid like that, uh, he, he shouldn't be playing in that fashion. I agree. Like it just it really does take away the allure of playing with someone like Antonio if he's just going to knit it up at three six. But I, I do think that maybe he doesn't have an interest in grinding on the site at all and just hands this over to someone else to play. And uh, well, that's just the way he plays. Maybe he short buys and. Maybe he's just trying, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's even though it's a possibility, but, I mean, something I mean, like that would kind of steer you away. I mean, if I see him again, I'm probably not likely going to play with him under that circumstance. Right. I mean, maybe he's just trying to win. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I mean, unless they specifically told him, you know, you have to, you know, go and give action, whatever. Um, you know, of course he won a huge tournament, but, I mean, who knows how much of the percentage he had of himself? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I just yeah. don't think I mean, the yeah. fact that he's won a lot of money means he should play a certain way. No, I don't mean he like, shouldn't necessarily be wild. But the fact that he sits out when he gets short, like like why even do that at a low limit, uh, like a three six type of thing? Like just 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 play through it. I mean, what's the most he's going to lose? And uh, yeah, otherwise I mean, he probably play for about forty minutes or so. But um, I was also wondering, you know, what you thought of it if you tried to deposit on it at all. Um, I went to a cage to deposit and it literally took me about 30 minutes or so. I mean, I understand that doesn't happen all the time, but I don't know, what did you think as far as well, you know, just people coming through to play? That's an interesting question because I, I have a friend who played on there who won a few thousand and said, you know what, I, I'm going to withdraw most of this. So my friend put in a withdrawal request and they said, okay, security checks need to take 7 to 10 days, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, okay, fine, you know, uh, I understand that. Because you know you can get the money in cash and then that's it. So you know you got to make sure everything's on the up and up. So um, he said it took much longer than that, 
And that they stalled a very long time It took weeks for him to get this money And he was very annoyed by it That they were uh, this slow And uh, so either they are overwhelmed over there With cash out process And don't have the, the personnel to do it Or they were doing it on purpose To try to prevent money from leaving the site uh, As far as getting money on there I, I don't know Because I put money on through e-checks And I got it on instantly Not that much I put on like a thousand But that's uh, That was my uh, That was my experience And I haven't tried to cash out yet I, I've only played a little bit on there I, I'm up very slightly I think I put it on a thousand And I have like eleven hundred sitting on there right now So I, I just I haven't withdrawn it I haven't played there in a while And um, I, I am kind of dreading the withdrawal process I, I, I for some reason pictured Originally when I heard you can just go to the cage and get it I just kind of pictured like I just show up and flash my ID And like oh Todd would tell us here's your money Here, Here's your cash But no I, I heard it's like Weeks to, at least for my friend there to wait To get the money off So uh, I've heard of some people getting it off Within like 24 hours too Just requesting a withdrawal Going to the cage and having it ready But huh. I mean, sometimes when you're de- yeah, dealing I mean, with I... different security people, they might, you know, tell you something different, or maybe some person didn't follow a correct procedure, which made it take weeks or something. But um, it took about that know. long for me. I mean, as far as the cash out, it was fine, but it was only for about a thousand. But it's just the pain of you know depositing and even going through the cage. But I don't know the games aren't very good, as you know. But yeah, I just wanted to call them with that. I mean, All right. Also, the the biggest problems with that Ultimate Poker so far seem to be the software, and I think they were supposed to upgrade already. And number two is um, what was the other problem I was thinking of? Uh, the VIP system. They were supposed to come out with the VIP system like a month ago, and I'm not even sure that they've gotten that up yet. So yeah, those two things have been pretty bad. And if they don't improve those things by the time WSOP or any of the others launch, I mean, they could lose a lot of traffic. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, well, thanks. It probably doesn't matter either way. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks. Yeah, for... I hope you get some back pay on the VIPs. And... Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Holy fuck. Okay. So, uh, TMML Gay, I, I brushed this guy off. Uh, I think he made his point, and uh, you know, I appreciate his call. Like, come on, Jeffy. Like this. But this I, I, I rushed him off. I rushed him off. Weeks, I rushed him off for you. Four hours on the same topic. I, I rushed him off for your sake, so you could come on here. Yeah, what, but what, I never what, should have got cut off in the first place. We were taking a call about Ultimate Poker, and, and you were okay, you're but shouting I was over the guy. first, and this guy starts trolling about Ultimate Poker. Who? No one cares in this. No one cares. They want the, the good stuff. Okay, give the good stuff. Go ahead. Okay, well, I have a couple shout-outs. Shout-out to uh, SimpDog, Donk Crusher, Lou Father, and c Poker Pete. Poker and Pete. And Poker Pete. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't believe you forgot that one. So, hey, hold on, Dog Crusher. Why are you hating on me, brother? <laughs> it's trolling me. I'm fucking shouting him out. He's calling me TMML gay. I don't think so. Okay, well, okay. What other stuff do you have besides the shout outs? I don't know. Like, I'm just calling in to get this guy off the air. Like, no one wants to hear about Ultimate Poker all night. <laughs> you know? Okay, well, what do they want to hear? Well, I don't know. Get Colleen and all those guys on the line. Fuck, like, <laughs> that's Colleen. what we want to hear. And I want to talk to you about that gas station situation. Yeah, Have you go ahead. brought that up? Or? No, I, I wasn't going to. 
Well, you know what? I agree with you, actually. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah. No, he's talking about at the gas station, this this idiot uh, who, who was selling some kind of cleaning stuff in your car, like, just showed up and started spraying shit on my car without my permission. And uh, and I, I got mad about it. But Yeah, uh, bad I, guy. Call in. I don't feel like talking about it, to be honest. So, all right. Uh, Team MLG, I'll, I'll let you stay on here, provided that you don't uh, become a disruption. When have I ever been a disruption? I'm a 2006 like, like, member. Like 15 Come minutes on. ago. <laughs> yeah, 15 minutes ago. You're right. Like that. that like, well, Come on. Okay. Let's talk about that. You, you can't be a disruption on this show. This is not okay. But you got to understand. You're ruining the show draft. I'm fucking getting sponsored. I'm getting view ratings you're getting sponsored. up. Sponsored. Who's sponsoring and you're, you? And you're going on about the same topic for two weeks in a row for like 30 minutes. It's like snap. This guy does wants to talk about. It. Okay, give him two minutes. Not dragging on. I wanted to hear his experience playing on Ultimate Poker. It's the only legalized poker site in the U.S. Well, the only one know. right now. All right. Um, Faraj Jacka. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I don't know. But um, he wrote... Faraj Jacka. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I think so. Faraj Jacka. Faraj Jacka? Yeah, it's like Faraj Jacka. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that till now. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Bobby Yor, call in. <laughs> and okay. bad guy. So Faraz Jaka. He uh made a blog. Not a blog, he he did an interview. All right, so he did a uh, an interview where he was talking uh, about uh, the high maintenance poker lifestyle and how that's just not sustainable, and how he doesn't he resents the media, the poker media, for shoving this down the public's throats. That that's what being a poker pre- a poker pro is all about. All right, I've heard enough of that. So this is uh, this is what he said. Stop typing. Come on. At least mute mute the microphone or something. I can't have this. Um, so he said, I see many people conditioned to irrational behavior and I want to reverse it to make a better place for all of us. I'm not criticizing players for having 10% of themselves in a 100k event smart on their end. It's the media for- forcing them to look more baller. Um... I'm not picking a bone with it. I'm not. I'm not picking any bone with poker media. It's media in general using poker as, as an example. Since many of my followers know poker, people in media aren't consciously trying to misinform. People are just doing their jobs with interesting content. It's the people pulling the strings. The people pulling the strings often just see numbers and need to be reminded what what they cause in the surface level. The system is the problem. Making people aware is the first step towards making a change, even if it's one person at a time until it spreads like wildfire. He's, he's talking about... Uh, well, I, I skipped the first comment he made, which was, um, take poker, for example, to show how the media fools you. You see players buying into a 100K event, win millions, and post for pictures with models at the celebration party. In reality, they only put up 10% of the buy-in, received 10% of the millions, and the models were hired by the company to make the lifestyle look glamorous. It's all a magic show, folks. Oh, I wonder how much they would hate me for saying that if I was sponsored. So he, he he's saying that the whole, all the glamour of tournament poker, a lot of this is, is either staged or played up, 
and that um, that people believe that um, these poker players live a, a much more lavish lifestyle than they do and can survive that way, living that way. So um, he, he goes on to uh, mention um, an example. He says, if you win a million dollars in tournament, first of all, you don't have the bankroll to play in $10,000 events. Uh, he's referring to someone who's getting backed. You're, you're getting backed, so you're only getting 500000 After expenses over the year, you're down to 400000 After taxes, you're down to around 250000 or even 200000 So think about it. Someone who wins a million dollars might only walk away with two hundred grand. I think that puts things into perspective a little bit. You can almost divide people's caches by five when you see them in many cases. Uh, and then, then he talks about uh, ways that he saves money. Um, or, and that it ways ways that uh, tournaments can add up as far as expenses go. Traveling expenses are also a huge burden when it comes to coming out on top. Staying at hotels, taking taxis, and ordering room service are not among the cheapest of options, that's for sure. Um, he says, in my first year on the road, I was staying in nice hotels, ordering room service, and taking taxis everywhere. I recorded every dollar I've spent for the last three years and categorized it. That's when I realized how much I could save if I switched from room service to groceries, stopped dry cleaning at my hotel and did my own laundry, and take public transportation over taxis. Now in each category, I'm saving five-figure amounts, and on top of that, I started liking it better. Well, he does raise some good points. Um, When you travel the tournament scene, it gets expensive, especially internationally. And uh, you start heaping these expenses upon the buy-ins and the rake on the buy-ins and the taxes on your winnings, you really are going to have a hard time keeping up, no matter how good you are in most cases. A few people can, but but most, even very good players, can't. And uh, so what he's trying to say is, if you're going to do this, if you're going to travel the world playing tournament poker, you've got to live frugally. Stop ordering room service. Stop staying in nice hotels in the most expensive rooms. Uh, stop taking taxis everywhere, he's saying. Now, I think he's going a little bit to an extreme here. And apparently he really puts his money where his mouth is because uh, someone told me that he actually tweets how he stays in hostels. Which I think is crazy. A guy you know playing these high buy-in tournaments is staying at a freaking hostel. Yeah. He, um, somebody said that they were staying at a hostel and they just randomly bumped into him like somewhere in Europe or something <laughs> like that. And I think he, 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 I think he said that he hasn't watched TV in eight years or something like that. Yeah. That's kind of strange too. But um, right. I, I think he's overdoing it because at some point saving money to an extreme can actually be, I, I think a detriment to just your lifestyle and your happiness. For example, are you going to get a good night of sleep in a hostel? That you would have in a hotel. I'm not saying you should get the an expensive room in an expensive hotel. I mean, get get just a solid room where you can get a good night of sleep and where it's not a shithole. But a hostel? I mean, that's it. Just doesn't seem to. That, I think that's going too much the other direction. And as far as taxis, if there's a good public transportation system, sure. Like when I go to D.C., when I go to New York, when I even go to Boston, there, your town, uh, China Maniac, I, I take the subway, and I'm totally fine right. with it. Uh, but in a place that doesn't have the best public transportation, like Los Angeles is a good example, uh, you don't want to be taking the bus. 
Ask Ken Scaler, who he sees on the bus. You're seeing like really real degenerates on the bus, and and also a lot of low income people who aren't necessarily degenerates. But it's like a low income option, and I'm not I'm not putting down people who are low income. But the truth is, if you don't have much money, if you are a low-income person, there are certain inconveniences in life you have to suffer, such as taking the bus. But if you can afford not to, it's something you typically shouldn't do because it's just very inconvenient and unpleasant, and there's no point to do it. You can, For a little bit more money, um, you can do something that's much more pleasant, such as rent your own car or, or, or take a taxi, but just don't take it all over town. And um, you can break that stuff off, too. You you can, but I but still it's it's if you're not winning, then it just adds to your expenses. Even if you can write it off. Okay, yeah, that's true. And and uh, you know, as far as the room service, I, I don't get much room service. I, I barely ever get room service. Um, I don't usually get groceries. I mean, I'll, I'll get some snacks and stuff at the grocery store, but I, I don't make my own meals in a hotel room. I think that's also to an extreme. But you can usually go to the cafe and find something relatively cheap to eat, or or you know, go somewhere next door. That's cheaper than the hotel restaurant. That I do. Yeah. yeah. And you can collect comps like Mike Gunn did for uh, 100 people. I don't even know what you're $10 each. That, that's an old story. But uh... well, so that, what, what you're talking about is old too. Well, you, you go to cafes. What are you talking about? When did you go to a cafe last? I just I went to the hotel's cafe on my last trip in July. Okay, so what I'm talking about is old news, and what you're talking about is old news. So July is old news. July was last month. Okay, that's old news. <laughs> you could say that five minutes ago is old news. Okay, but you're being a hypocrite. You're talking no. about me saying old news, but you're doing the same thing. You know, this is what I was worried about. I was worried that, that we'd bring up an intelligent topic of discussion here, and you would make it stupid somehow. Call, call in Ken Scaler. I want that guy on the air. Well, he doesn't have a phone. I, I, I can't call Ken. He doesn't have a phone. Well, call Stephanie. I have her number anyways. <laughs> you actually wrote down Stephanie's number? Yeah. You want me to say it on air? No, but I, I believe you probably did. You, you can have fun calling it. I don't care. Well, give her, give her a call now. I want to talk to her. I don't think she's with Ken today. Typically, Ken does not like to see her on the early weekdays. It, it seems like it's like Wednesday and beyond when he sees her for some reason. Just try and then get bad guy on nah, the air I, and, I, I'll, I, and I'll shut down. I, I could shut you down right now if I wanted to. No, but like really? Call, can you call Stephanie a TMLK no, I, I, request? I, I don't feel like calling Stephanie. So okay. so anyway, let me let me just conclude about this whole thing with the, with the Frere Jaca here. Um, I, I think he's taking it to an extreme, but I'll say that it's better to take it in an extreme that way than to take it to the spending extreme. If you are going to be a tourney pro, no matter what score you're getting at the moment, it's not going to last. And there's going to be drive spells. There's going to be times when you need to uh, save. And you can't just save when you're losing. You have to save when you're winning, too. Because uh, you know you're going to need that money for later when you're not running as hot. Another point I brought up related to what he was saying is the problem is here with most tournament players is that uh, the quality that makes many tournament players good, which is like unpredictability and willingness to risk money, will bleed into the rest of their lifestyle. It's very hard to be aggressive and seemingly not care about money at the table. And then live the rest of your life as a cheapskate who counts every dollar. Right. It's just very hard to do. It's very hard to make the moves at the poker table saying, hey, I don't care if I go bust here. I'm trying to accumulate chips in a 10K event, 25K event. And then uh, and, and then translate that over to the rest of your life 
where, where you're uh, clipping coupons or, or staying at uh, lower end hotels or uh, um, you know, flying coach instead of first class or whatever. And by the way, when I say lower end hotels, I don't mean stay at Motel 6. I mean, when I go to hotels, I, I look for something that's comfortable and that's decent, that's not a shithole, but, but also is reasonably priced. And that, that's what I look for, like a, like kind of like a middle-end sort of thing. And sometimes I'll, I'll treat myself to a nicer place, but if I'm on a long trip, I'm not going to spend like $400 a night for 10 nights in a row. There's no way. So um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for being conservative with your expenditures, both on the tournament trail and otherwise. And just because you're winning today doesn't mean you're going to win tomorrow. Just because you're making certain money today does not mean you're going to make that money tomorrow. And always think about the future, and always think about, like, if I don't make any more money for the next ten years, will I be okay? And you really have to try to think that way in poker, because you don't know what money you'll make in the future. Yeah, that was a good point you made about, um, you know, the years you're not winning, because, like you said, you get a million-dollar score, you divide by five, you make a couple hundred thousand, and then, you know, the next year, you know, you whiff a bunch of tournaments, and then... You know, you're you're doing all the, you know, paying for all the same stuff, lavishly traveling and all that stuff. You know, you you can't write it off now because it's a new year, so it's just going to compound to the expenses that you had on. You know, you got to write it off the year before, but if you're losing, you know, you're just paying that money. So yeah, that's you, why I, I think you know, living as an MTP pro is going to be one of the harder hardest things to do, or the the hardest way to ways to make it in poker unless you know you get into big sponsorship money. And, and so another way to think of it, and he brought it up this way as well in his article. Let's say you started playing poker in 2004, and you had a great year in 2004, winning a million dollars. You had a great year in 2008, winning a million dollars. All the other years you broke even, so you didn't lose; you just broke even. It sounds like you should be doing great with two million dollars. And the truth is, you should still have a good deal of money at this point, if you spent wisely. But, we're talking now about a 10-year period, and all of a sudden, you're not making a million dollars a year anymore. Now you're making 200000 a year. So you take the $2 million divided by 10, it's now 200000 Well, 200000 is very nice income per year, over 10 years. But, 200000 a year is also not going to enable a baller lifestyle, where you can just spend like crazy. Then you will go broke. So th- that was the point he was making Is that uh, TV, the media They like to glamorize the tournament pro Pulling down six figures Seven figures But you're not seeing the time When they're going through Four year dry spells uh, He mentioned J.C. Tran as an example J.C. Tran who uh, fell off the face of the earth For a while After you know doing very well Around 2006, 2007 Then fell off for a long time Hasn't had a six figure cash Since 2009 so now he's going in as the uh, chip leader in the main event. But to show you how close he was to not even doing that, he was down to almost nothing in day three. He was down to a much shorter stack than I had in late day three. Yeah, and he was all in with queen three dominated. So, yeah. you know, he loses that pot, and, you know, you're still saying, you know, nothing since 2009. You know, it's like a five-year dry period where he basically did nothing. Yeah, know? so, so uh, and... That's just J.C. Tran, who we're only thinking of because he's the chip leader in the main event right now. But uh, there's plenty of other J.C. Trans out there who you just aren't thinking of right now that have been going through a long dry spell and, and maybe broke. I don't know if J.C. Tran, you know, what money he ha- he still had. I don't know much about his spending habits. But uh, you just have to watch out, and you need to never change your spending 
and or the way you look at money if you happen to hit a successful streak in poker. You need to just put that money away and say, this money is for tomorrow. This is for when I lose tomorrow. I'm not going to spend it like I won today. And uh, you can you can upgrade your lifestyle somewhat if over a long period of time you're uh, you're winning. But you shouldn't just run out and, and spend a lot more money because you happen to win something big. Uh, you know. So a lot of these uh, poker players, they, they go crazy with the, the, the room service, the expensive hotel rooms, the first-class flights, the expensive clothes, the, the, the bottle service at the clubs, the, the strip clubs, etc., etc., and they, they find themselves broke. That's how it happens. And then the sports betting is a big leak off, often. So... Pits. Yeah, the pits. You just gotta. I couldn't live with myself if it happened. Honestly, like I, I if I lost the money that I made in poker right. in this way, I, I just couldn't live with myself. I, I couldn't look myself in the mirror every day. So right. I know not everybody is like me, but uh, Bollins. Yeah, hey man. I mean, the other day after I actually read this article, I just took a look at like my Skype and AIM contacts, and I'd say at least fifty percent of the guys that I talked to like in 2009, 2008, 2010 that were professional poker players don't even log online anymore. They just don't play anymore, you know? So, I mean, she's got a high, you know, it's just a high rate of failure. It's just, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, And, and he said in his article, and I've said this before myself, the hardest part of being a poker pro is not finding games you can beat and making money. The hardest part is holding on to whatever you make. That is the hardest thing to do. Harder for some than others depends on a personality type. And somebody asked in the thread where I posted about this, they asked, um, can you learn how to be responsible for money or is something uh, ingrained? This was asked by the commissioner in the thread. Can an individual be taught to respect money or is it instead of virtue that is inherited through one's material DNA, you know, such as Jewish? But uh, I think it's both. I think um, some of it is just your genetic makeup of how you are. Some people are just naturally better with money than others without even having to be taught. Uh, others don't. You know, others really do have the desire to spend and have to learn. And I, I think it's like anything. I think it's like uh, alcoholism. I think some people have the tendency to want to drink a lot. Others have little to no interest in drinking. So people who have the tendency to become drunks they have to teach themselves not to be, where others just uh, don't have the desire to do it, and, and to them it just comes naturally not to. And I, I think that goes with, with any kind of vice in life, that uh, some things attract some people and some things don't attract other people. So uh, I, I think it can be learned, but it requires a lot of discipline if you're not one of these people who's just naturally cheap. And uh, I, I do think, though, as I was saying earlier, I think you can take it too far. I've known people who really take being cheap too far. Um, I, I've known people who just uh, who, who drive cars that are, are, are breaking down and having all kinds of problems that, that are 20 years old. And they, these are people with millions of dollars. And I say, get a new car. You know, the, wh- why are you dealing with this? Why are you driving a car like this? It's, it's going to break down somewhere. It's not even safe. Like, wh- why not just, if you really don't want to spend a lot of money on, on automobiles, just buy a cheaper car but a newer car. But but if you have like $3 million in your name, how can you be driving around in a car like this? And they don't really have an answer for me. That's because they had $3 million and you don't. You don't know how much money I have. 
Like I, I know you're balling out in your BMW, but it's a depreciation asset, Druff. So you're losing fifty percent of value. So for a guy that's plus EV all the time, it sure doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I wouldn't be investing my life savings in a BMW. Okay, but the fact that you're buying a BMW and you know it's going to go down in value is not plus EV. I've been buying a BMW at a rate of once every nine years. I think I can afford to do that. I'm, okay, I'm, so I'm definitely so not one of these guys people who, that uh, drive a bad car that have no payments to make. Yeah, but they're driving. They, I don't mind if someone wants to drive a cheaper car uh, just because they don't desire to spend much on, a, on an automobile. That's fine, but just don't drive something that's unsafe or it's breaking down all the time or, or, or is unreliable. At, at that point, if you have the money to replace it, then do so, even with something cheap. Well, I understand what you're saying, but why spend money when you have something that gets you from point A to point B? I just said why, because it's uh, unreliable, unsafe, etc. But it's not unre- unreliable. It's getting them from point A to point B. Like When you drive your new car, and say, for example, you're going to your house at the gas station, I'm doing the same thing in my 1920 car, we're both getting from point A to point B. I would like you to drive a point A to point B car in the manner you described from like LA to Vegas and, and see how you enjoy it like, just in the middle of the road it breaks down, in the middle of nowhere. Okay, but so can your BMW break down, though. They all can, but one's much more likely to break down than the other. And one's also much more likely to uh, survive a high-speed accident than the other. So Yeah. That's that's also important to me. Okay, so but then now we're comparing uh, minivans and trucks to cars. You're no. not in a higher class. Actually, minivans and, and mini, minivans and SUVs are not safe in accidents. Well, neither is a BMW, which is considered a small slash mid-sized car. No, actually, BMWs do have a a very good safety record for that. That's well, uh, so do Honda Civics. There, there are other cars that have a, a good safety record, but uh, BMW has one of the best ones. That's actually one of the reasons I've been buying them. You must know. Anyways, a quote I have to give you: "Drop in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. A foolish man devours all he has." <laughs> Some people ask me why I have you on the show uh, so much. I, I, I mean, we hadn't that much recently because you disappeared. But, jeez, this is a quote. Wait, this is a quote a from the. Quote. This is a quote from the chat room, by the way. Here, here's another great quote. This is from the chat room. Uh, I'm leaving because Team MLK is a faggot. <laughs> I'm done listening later. So we're. Later, I, I think the ratings might be going down right now. Actually, the ratings are going up. I'm just letting you know that. He did leave the room, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think the guy was actually serious. It's funny, with, with Team MLG, he really is a polarizing figure. Because there's people that love when he comes on here. And there's others that absolutely hate it. There's, there's ones that really do turn off the radio when he comes on. There's ones that get mad at me and send me angry PMs to stop <laughs> having him on the show and stop letting him ruin the show. That's great. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to decide what to do. Because uh, if everyone hated him, I wouldn't put him on. If everyone loved him, I'd have him on all the time. But we've got this like, we've got these mixed opinions here, and it seems like strong one way or the other. Yeah, because that's because everybody's jealous of me. That's why all all the haters out there they want to be like me, so they can't. Some good middle ground. I mean, the controversy that you know that builds ratings. <laughs> and my over under net worth is above ten k right now. Ballin. That's, that's great. I'm very proud of you. All right. How how old are you, by the way? Are you thirty yet? Um, maybe. Come on, guys should not be ashamed to say what age they're. Well, 
I can't disclose that on air. I, I never understood when guys are afraid to say how old they are. I, I know with women it's a big thing where the you know the women there's such an emphasis on youth and in our culture and that you know when, once women get to be older they uh, they're often perceived as as not being as sexy anymore, et cetera, et cetera. So they 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 always want to hide their age. It's been like that for many many years. But guys guys aren't the same way. Guys just you know you say how old are you? And they just say it. Right. Old or young, they just say it. Like uh, I, I don't ever hide it from anyone. Someone says, someone says, "How old are you?" I say, "41." You know. So, you know, that's fair. If it, if it was my choice, I would be a little younger than 41, but that's what I am. And uh, yeah. you know, sadly, in uh, in 10 years, I'll be 51. Then I really wish I was younger. So, Jeff, I got a question for your BMW. Do you follow what the like for gas, for example? Do you get the premium gas, or do you cheap yeah. out and get the low? No, gas? no, I, I get the gas I'm supposed to get for the BMW, which is a premium. So that's another cost that's added to your BMW, where the other guy who's driving a 1930 car. Doesn't I'm not need. saying that it, that uh, BMW driving is the cheapest option. I've never argued that. So I don't know what you're trying to say here. No, I'm saying that you're making it sound like the people who had $3 million in driving a shit car. No, people who are driving an, an old car that is in bad shape are making a mistake if they can afford not to. People driving a cheaper car that, that prefer not to drive more expensive vehicles, I'm fine with that if that's their choice. So. Yeah, but but not all people want to drive a BMW. <sighs> I'm really tired of this argument. No, because you're losing the argument, Rob. I, I really wish I had the low house button right now. <laughs> no, but you are losing this argument. You must agree with me. No. <laughs> okay, so... So, because they had three... What happens if they had $3,000 and they had a shitty car? How would that be any different? Would you say to them, well, because you have 3000 should have BMW going to debt? Let's move on. Like, we all don't get tomatoes on the side. All right, I've heard enough. I've heard, I've heard enough. I I had to snap him off. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time to snap. I think. I, like first, I'm playing sound effects over him, and then I go, "Why am I doing this? I can just hang up." Right. Like like, why am I ruining the show with sound effects now? Why, why can't I just hang up on him? It was like you know th- this reminds me of uh, 23 plus years ago. I was with a girl that I just did not want to be with anymore. She didn't do anything wrong. I just, I just wasn't into her anymore. It was actually the first time in my life that happened. And I felt bad. So, like, I was so not into her that when she would call me, I didn't want to take her call. So what I would do is I'd leave my phone off the hook. And this is back in the days when you'd get a busy signal and, it, you know, you wouldn't get a voicemail or anything. So, like, like for, like, five straight days, I'd just leave my phone off the hook after I came back from school. And then just one day I said, what, what the hell am I doing? Why am I leaving my phone off the hook? If I don't want to talk to my girlfriend, I should break up with her. So that's what I did. I called her up and I broke up with her. And that was that. I felt kind of bad, actually, because she hadn't done anything wrong, but... I said, like, well, like, why am I leaving my phone off the hook when I have the power to just break up and end it? And th- that's the same thing with TMML Gate. Why am I playing sound effects and ruining my own radio show when I have the power to just hang up on them? That's right. All right. Well, so an area where people don't have any power right now is getting their money off of party poker through Skrill and NetTeller without paying an outrageous fee. Party poker has introduced a 
Skrill and Net Teller withdrawal fee. It's actually even worse. It's three percent plus four dollars. It's bad enough that they're taking three percent of whatever you're withdrawing with no cap. So you want to withdraw a million, you're going to be paying them a thirty thousand fee plus four dollars. You'll be paying them thirty thousand and four dollars to withdraw a million from Party Poker right now through Skrill or Net Teller. What are Skrill and Net Teller? Well, you probably know Net Teller. Skrill is very similar. It's just it's an e-wallet. It's where you can withdraw quickly from party to uh, you know, Skrill and NetTeller, where you can then either send that money to other sites that support Skrill and NetTeller, or send it quickly to your bank account. It's very convenient. You just can't use these as uh, U.S. players anymore. But uh, Party Poker is the only major site to be charging this 3% fee. PokerStars does not do so, nor does Full Tilt. Now, yes, they do have to pay these fees to Skrill and NetTeller. Skrill and NetTeller don't work for free. They do charge pretty stiff fees to these poker sites for deposits and cash-outs. But, guess what? That's the cost of doing business. Party Poker makes a fortune raking their games. The rake online is way too high, and always has been. You know that guy who used to run, who ran for president on the uh, rent is way too damn high party. Remember him? I do. Yeah, we should have our own political party. The rake is way too damn high online because it is. It is some 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 places it's insane. Um, online poker rooms modeled their rake structure after live poker rooms, which sounds fine. You know, you're, you're paying that rake live, why shouldn't you pay it online? Well, because there's a different cost in running these games. They can run so many games online. They can run tens of thousands. They can run hundreds of thousands of games online with very little additional cost once everything's all set up. It's not like a live poker room where they have to make physical space. They have to hire people. They have to hire security. They have to they have to hire so many different people and, and, and pay so much for the for the physical space where these tables occupy and pay for the cashiers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they can't just do unlimited expansion for a tiny percentage of additional cost like online can. It simply does not cost an online poker room the same per hand to run as it does live, not even close. That's why online poker rooms made such a fortune. So, with them making so much rake, the least they can do is give you free deposits and free cash-outs. I think charging for either one is really crappy, especially when you're a large site like Party Poker that has deep pockets that doesn't have the short-term risk. Some of the smaller sites have deposit and withdrawal fees because they're operating... uh, um, such a small margin, or in some cases they, uh, you know, they're spending most of their their budget on marketing, or uh, um, you know, th- a lot of those are just getting by, which is why we have rooms like Lock that uh, then resort to stealing the player money to continue operating. Here's one thing I actually posted in that topic in the thread earlier. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, not only do you, th- th- I know that they charge the, the sites fees for. Um, you know, when you make a deposit. But now, uh, like, Skrill gives users rake back when they make deposits onto, like, poker sites or anything for that matter. Oh, wow. So, like, if if you made, like, whatever, a $1,000 deposit onto PokerStars, 
you get like a certain amount of that back, and it's paid almost like a rake back. Huh. And I think some people were like uh, abusing stuff like this, just depositing, cashing out, depositing, cashing out, and some people making some pretty big money on this is like affiliates and stuff like that too. <laughs> so I, I think they're just saying like enough's enough, you know, we're not paying the fees anymore. And we're just going to dump it back on the players because most of them are just getting, you know, getting a percentage of the fees that we're paying for them to deposit anyway. I wouldn't mind if they, if they introduced the fee that was equivalent to whatever that rake back was to where they right. say, you know, you're paying a fee, but you're getting it back through Skrill anyway, so it breaks even. That, I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't think necessarily people have a right to make money off of depositing and withdrawing. Right, I, right. Uh, but um, I, I believe Party Poker is doing more than that. I'm sure 3% yeah. is much more than that. And uh, they're just trying to pass along some of their fees. And, and there's also some theories being posted on 2 Plus 2 that the reason this is being done is, is kind of a, a Bodog, Bovada way of doing things, is uh, changing the rules of the site to drive away the pro players. Maybe they don't want the pro players on there, and they figure that uh, the fish aren't going to be withdrawing that much or that often, and the, right. so so this is going to really be... And the fish, a lot of times, are not even using Skrill or Nepteller. So this mm-hmm. is more likely affecting the grinder, so they probably they may not want it anyway anymore. They may decide that they want to get away from the model of uh, of catering to the grinders. But Yeah, it's a, and like you said, it's another way to tax high-limit players, too, that win, because... Like you said, like whatever. If you win five hundred thousand, you got to pay them fifteen thousand fees or something like that. Yeah. Now you can still withdraw with checks. Now those are not free. It's still like five bucks, but uh, at least it's a flat fee. And if you're getting a large check, uh, that'll be worth it. But that takes like three weeks, which isn't the end of the world. Like for U.S. players, three weeks sounds like it's wonderful. But uh, if you think back to the way it was, like back in two thousand six, when you could just instantly withdraw to Net Teller and instantly deposit somewhere else, it was great. Uh, three weeks seems like a very long time then If you're used to that So you're not forced to pay the 3% You can get it off through a check But I think even charging $5 for a check is really lame too I think these are just costs that a site should eat Given how much money they're making Especially a large site like Party And um, I, I think this grill net teller thing Really is a big mistake Unless the goal is to drive away the grinders In which case uh I guess it's a smart move. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens. So anyway, last regular topic here. There are bed bugs, apparently, at Harris Atlantic City. This was reported by a user on Poker Fraud Alert. I will read what. He wrote about it. Pretty ugly story. Yeah, I'm actually glad this got reported too because I was in Atlantic City a few months back and I I strolled through that Harris and the park that I was in. I mean, the casino looked very nice. I said to myself, "Well, this looks like it could be a nice place to stay." You know, I've stayed at, stayed at the one in Vegas and it was a total shithole, but the one in AC, I I was actually debating on maybe staying there when I, if I went back to AC. So, um, go, go on. So th- this is a guy named Duped Samaritan. And that's a, the screen name's kind of a joke referring to uh, former user Neverheeb. But I'll tell that story again some other time. He wrote this. Hello, Poker Fraud Alert. I've been following this site and listening to radio since it started, but I've yet to post. I've just run into a situation I'm not sure what to do. I'm pretty confident that Druff or someone else in this community will offer some good advice. Background. I'm a Platinum Total Rewards member. 
Now that sounds impressive, by the way. This is not his post anymore, but I'm just telling you guys. Platinum sounds like a high level, and it's somewhere like the Cosmopolitan, it is the highest level. But at Caesars, it's nothing big. Uh, the Caesars Corporation, Caesars Entertainment, the uh, this is how it goes. You start out as gold. Once you go get a player's card, you're immediately gold. So it goes gold, platinum, diamond, seven stars. So platinum is the second lowest of the four. So I just want to mention that because it's, it, it means he's nothing special, but he's above like the bottom. Live in Jersey City, just outside of New York City, and make a trip to Atlantic City about ten times a year, anywhere from four days to two weeks. I get decent comps and rarely have to pay for a room just besides the, uh, the 5 to $13 night tax, depending on the property. I checked into a Harris Atlantic City yesterday for three nights. They gave me a room in the atrium suites, an older ti- an o- older tower, but I like it because all the rooms are suites with a bedroom far from the door, so it was very quiet. I woke up this morning around 10 a.m., quickly took a shower, and headed over to Borgata for some 2-5 no limit. I first noticed the itching on the five-minute cab ride to the Borgata. By the way, Ferris Jaca here wouldn't approve of that. He'd tell you to take the bus. Specifically on my left pinky and left arm. I didn't think much of it, anxious to get into some action. Throughout my session, though I kept feeling itchy, my back, my leg, etc., after a few hours I was washing my hands and face in the bathroom when I noticed red blotches on the right side of my face, and my right earlobe was swollen. I squeezed it and this clear sticky pus came out. I wasn't sure what uh, what to think, and my itch to play was greater than my itches all over, so I played two or three more rounds before realizing I was too distracted to focus on the game, so I went back to Harris. First thing I did was take off my clothes to see what the fuck was going on. After checking myself out in the mirror, I realized that I had bug bites all over my body, six on my face, two on my right ear that produced a remarkable amount of pus every time I squeeze it. That's a nice picture. Four on each arm... Two on my back, one on my left leg. It is pretty uncomfortable, but honestly, it looks a lot worse than it is. First thing I did was Google Harris bed bugs, and my worst fear was com- confirmed without even clicking a link. Mostly because I didn't even specify Harris Atlantic City, and there are many Harris resorts. However, about 80% of the results were for Harris Atlantic City, and were complaints about either uh, were complaints on either BedBugRegistry.com or a site like TripAdvisor. So I, I guess there was some site beg, BedBugRegistry.com where you can actually register bedbug uh, complaints. I should actually look on that site before I stay in my next hotel. I immediately called the front desk. Lady that answered did not sound surprised at all and told me they would give me a new room to co- and to come to the front desk to pick up my keys and fill out an incident report. She also told me I could stand in the Seven Stars line if I wanted. Uh, they obviously don't mind if their Seven Stars players catch a bed bug jumping from someone like me to someone like them. <laughs> Amazing. The, the front desk agent and the manager I spoke to at the front desk both, ha- both handled the situation well. I felt they were genuinely apologetic but not surprised. I made sure to point out that the bites on my face and forearms uh, for them so they knew I wasn't some prick looking for freebies. I filled out the incident report. At first they offered me $50 room credit and a change of room. I said something along the lines of, that's fine, do you know when I'll be hearing from risk management? The manager went in the back and then came back to explain that in fact he could not offer the $50 room credit because it could quote, screw up my case with risk, ma- with risk management. I was totally fine with that, realizing I might actually actually be properly compensated. $50 room credit is nothing. I have tons of comps anyway. Uh, so, so here I am sitting in my new room with two more nights here, and I'm not sure what my next step should be. 
Uh, here are some facts that I've gathered from a little research. There are many reports of bedbugs at Harris Atlantic City. Many of them were in the tower I was staying in, Atrium Suites. No report of any type of settlement that I could find, either because there's none or because if you talk, you don't get paid. And some of the reports say that they were asked to visit the, quote, casino nurse who confirmed they were, quote, insect bites. So, I'll stop here. It's pretty much, I pretty much read everything that's important. Pretty disturbing story. Uh, risk management, by the way, that's uh, what Caesars always refers you to if something happens. That That's kind of the uh, go-between between Caesars and their insurance company. When I had my car parked in the Rio parking lot, I think it was four years ago, and some debris blew into my car that they left untied down. They had some construction material, and they didn't tie it down, so then when the wind kicked up, it blew the stuff into my car and damaged it. They referred me to risk management, who then gave it to the insurance company, who then paid me like 650 bucks, which is the cost of the damage. But that was fairly easy, it seems, because um, as you heard from somebody else who came on this show regarding a theft at the Rio... The insurance company seems pretty easy about paying anything less than $750. I don't know what this guy is looking for as far as uh, compensation. I suggested that he go to a doctor and, and you know get get it documented that he really did, did get bitten by bed bugs, and then he could try to demand something for pain and suffering from them. I don't know what their insurance pays in these cases. I agree $50 is uh, not exactly proper compensation here. And, and just to let everybody know, at any Caesars property, if you have the slightest problem, you should call up and complain, and they'll always give you 50 bucks. Like, when I say always, you got to yeah, kind of play up your complaints a little bit and talk about how inconvenienced you were. But they'll immediately say, okay, well, I've just put a $50 room credit on your room. Sometimes even 100 but but always 50 And they just want you to go away and not make a report and make them look bad and... Right. I think you'll be staying in the casino, and you'll probably spend more money. Like, like for example, um, one time in my room, you know, there were two sinks at the Rio. One of them just didn't drain well at all; it would just take an eternity to drain. The other one made a loud noise and would drain. Gunk, 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 for like like five minutes after I have water on. Not the end of the world, but it's it still kind of sucks. You know, you get up in the middle of the night, take a piss, wash your hands, and then uh, you got to sit there for five minutes while you hear the sink going gunk, 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 gunk. So I, I complained about this, and they, they gave me 50 bucks, and then changed my room the next day. So I mean, that's like a typical thing to get $50 for, which is obviously much less of an inconvenience than getting bed bugs all over your body, which is awful. So um, I, I agree that that was not compensation that he would want, and, and they probably were right that you don't want to be accepting a $50 room credit and have that be confused as compensation for what happened. So... Let me see if there's any update regarding uh, risk management here. I, the guy said he's throwing away all his clothes because you could actually uh, um, you could end up bringing them home. So if you're getting bitten by bed bugs, you really should either get rid of your clothes or put them in a sealed plastic bag, a completely sealed plastic bag, and leave them in there for two weeks, and the bed bugs will actually suffocate. That's really the only way to do it. And I, maybe. Uh, I don't know if you could take them to a dry cleaner and get it taken care of, but you had to make sure you're really getting rid of them. As you bring them home, you really got problems. But um, this is the update from him. He says, uh, 
Uh, I was told I would hear from risk management by August 20th. And he posted this three days ago. Of course, today is August 20th. But I'd like to shoot off a few emails, uh, including my best close-up photos to upper management at the property and corporate. Anyone have a list of email addresses? And then he he's just asking for email. So I guess he hasn't heard from them uh, as of three days ago, and maybe not even yet, because he probably would have posted about it. So, watch out at Harris Atlantic City. I would advise staying in one of the other Harris properties there. I'm not sure why he chose Harris. Uh... Caesars Atlantic City, while not as good as the Caesars in Las Vegas, is superior to Harris Atlantic City. Right. But maybe maybe it was cheaper. I don't know. But he said he had comps. I don't get that. So, but the, you know, Caesars actually owns a number of properties there. So don't stay at the Bedbug property for sure. Right. Especially this atrium suites. And uh, maybe it's not a bad idea. Anything, any place you stay, to check in the uh, BedbugRegistry.com. dot com. And see if there's a lot of reports of bed bugs, and if there are, stay away. Because that's just uh, um, he was posting in the thread about how miserable he's been since he's gotten those bites, and just how uncomfortable he is. Not so, bad. Um, but like I said, maybe he just didn't know much about it. Um, I walked through there, and I was like, "Wow, this this place looks pretty nice." You know, that nice indoor pool, like it was themed nice. It's just. I don't know, everywhere I walked in there looked pretty good. I was like, this is nothing like the um, the Harris in Vegas. It's well, like, maybe we'll stay here next time, but in a way now. Well, what, what happens is sometimes maintaining the, the outer image of the property, when I say outer, not even just the outside, but you know when you walk through the casino, how it looks, the lobby and things like that, a lot of times that's different than, than the proper uh, sanitary right. uh, procedures for maintaining the rooms. And a lot of times you can uh, succeed in, in appearances, but not succeed in uh, keeping the rooms clean. Right. And, um, or controlling bed bug problems. And it sounds like that they, I don't know if they've been lazy or tr- been cheap about uh, getting exterminators in there to get rid of the bed bugs. Right. But it's, it, it, I'm just going to do it right now. I didn't try this yet, but uh, let's see, I'm going to enter Harris bed bugs. And this is what I see. <laughs> um, that's not good. I enter Harris Bedbugs, and the second thing coming up is Harris Las Vegas official site. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that place had bedbugs, too. I stayed yeah. there once, and the rooms weren't too pretty. So it's so the first thing is Harris Las Vegas uh, report, but, it, but uh, then uh, Atlantic City, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, Atlantic City... Um, Las Vegas, well, a lot of Las Vegas too. Atlantic City. Um, oh, this is interesting. Wow, I, I'm gonna have to show him this one unless he's found it already. This is on the front page. If you type Harris Bedbugs, November seventh, two thousand eleven, almost two years ago. After many years of complaints that Harris Casino Hotel in Atlantic City has been plagued by bedbugs, a lawsuit has finally been filed in New York's Supreme Court against the establishment by a patron who stayed at the Waterfront Tower in November 2009 and was badly bitten and severely scarred. So a lawsuit wow. was actually fired, filed. Wow, I mean, that's... Uh, well, those bedbugs can get yeah. pretty bad, huh? <laughs> gonna... I've been fortunate enough not to have been bitten by bedbugs ever. Yeah, I don't think I have either. And I've stayed in a lot of hotels and I guess I've just lucked out as far as that's concerned. Uh, I, I have been plagued by mosquitoes this summer, which is funny because in, in uh, California and Nevada, where I've been most of the summer, 
there are not many mosquitoes. Right. But but I've been hit with them, and I, I actually got hit with them also where there are more mosquitoes, and that's when I went on my vacation in July. But that was a month ago now, and uh, and I'm still I still have new bites that keep popping up only on my ankles for some reason. I, I just keep like looking down at my ankle, like they itch. I feel down there, and sure enough, there's bumps and from new bites. Like I I don't know why they keep getting me. These uh, eh, they, they they go in cycles, you know. Sometimes yeah. they'll just overpopulate certain areas, lay more eggs in certain areas, like um. Up front of the the complex that I live in, it's usually loaded with spiders. Like they, for some reason, they just infest like uh, you know out and around the windows and stuff. I, and I haven't seen them this year, but last year they were just like it was insane how many were here. But the same thing with the mosquitoes. Usually they're they're usually like everywhere around Massachusetts at this time. But I, I haven't seen them that much this year. So they yeah. just go in cycles. You know. Um... Anyone trying to fall asleep right now listening to this podcast? You probably shouldn't be trying to fall asleep and listen to this show. So serves you right if you are. But um, you know what the worst thing is? Is when you're lying in bed and then you start getting like an itching attack from bites or whatever. Like right. it's the absolute worst time to be itching is when you're trying to go to sleep and then there's the the itching starts and then yeah, it's, you try to ignore it and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. I I, I hate that. Yeah. Absolutely hate that. All right, let's see here. I, I got a message here from Beer and Poker, a co-host from last week. Uh-oh. Here's some news that's not very good. Apparently, Matt Savage has uh, suffered an injury. Um, let me get to this here. Early on Tuesday morning... Tournament director Matt Savage tweeted the following In a hospital in San Jose and will have Cervical stenosis surgery At 7am and will miss my flight Um, Cervical stenosis is a slowly Progressive condition that Pinches the spinal cord in the neck Jeez So uh, Doesn't sound sound too good So that can be uh, And and I guess if you don't get it under control It can even cause uh, paralysis from the neck down If it really gets bad So uh so wow. he, he was, he was going to fly to the Hard Rock for that uh, $10 million guarantee. Which, by the way, that, that series seems to be very successful. Seems like uh, everything is uh, smashing the, uh, the guarantees there. So I... When does the main event of that start? Oh, the 22nd, right? It's got to be soon. Yeah, I think it's the 22nd. I have PLOL, a uh, long-time listener of this show and active member of this site is, is going to be playing and even sold pieces of himself here, so good luck to him. He'll be uh, playing somewhat with money that he won from me by uh, buying a large piece of me in the 5K limit hold'em. I sent him a healthy check. So, anyway, uh, you know, I'm a I have good things to say about Matt Savage. He seems like a, a good tournament director, a decent guy. So, just thought I'd mention that. Good luck to him with the surgery. I, I guess he's—I guess the surgery is already over. I guess it was today, yeah, Tuesday. So, um, as someone just said in the in the chat, uh, Savage stands around too much as a tournament director. I don't know what that means, but maybe standing around. Would cause your, you know. Yeah, maybe that's what he means. Yeah, they're standing too much. Right. I don't know. I, I've actually, uh, you know, some people actually have problems with their back where they can't stand in one place for too long. Otherwise, right. they, uh, 
your back really starts to hurt. I, I don't have that problem, fortunately. And I've been fortunate to not have back problems for almost my whole life. The only time I ever had back problems was in March of this year, when uh, I threw my back out. Right. Actually, with with uh, I was like jumping Benjamin up and down, like lifting him up from the f- floor and pulling him up in the air, and fall- you know, it, it wasn't that strenuous. He was only like thirty pounds, but uh, something I did there just completely threw my back out so bad that for a few days I couldn't even stand from a sitting position without being pulled up. But it it got better after a few weeks, and uh, now it's completely better. Like it never happened. So uh, I'm gonna. Take some questions in the chat room or calls. The phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charles, the number is 702-430-1808. You can ask questions either on the phone or in the chat room. Oh, hey, I got one thing to add, um, which isn't too hard. Um, Something about Shane from Locke. Um, He... Was uh, He always posted when the lock forum was up on 2 plus 2 that people are on a witch hunt after lock poker and other sites are doing the exact same thing uh, by delaying cash outs in, in the United States. And he always pointed at um, like merge and carbon poker because their withdrawals at one point this year were taking like two to three months, but they were paying. Well, he can't use that there anymore because they've gotten their cash outs down to like under 10 days for checks now is what they're spitting them out at now. So, uh, Shane, if you're listening, um, you can't use that <laughs> excuse anymore. Yeah. Fortunately, every- Shane, Shane can hide behind the new lock poker forum, their own forum there where they just delete all the messages, anything that's, uh, posted this unflattering In fact, they do worse than delete. They just never approve them. So they never appear. It's amazing. Okay. So here's some questions from the chat. Can you get Micon on this show? No. Absolutely will never happen. All right. Uh, next question. Have you been barred from playing blackjack for card counting? Answer, yes, many times. In fact, if you've never been barred for playing blackjack card counting, then you are not a good card counter. Now, the opposite is not true. If you have been barred, that does not mean you are a good card counter. Because a lot of times they will just notice the general behavior of a card counter and bar you without really looking carefully to see if you're a winning card counter, to see if you're doing it right. But if you're never getting barred, that means you're not, you're definitely not a good card counter. Because no. uh, it's, they're going to catch you sometimes if you're doing it right. Can you count cards in New Jersey? You can. And you can't get kicked out for it, but uh, what they do is they change the shuffle if they see you okay. doing it. What, they'll just stop the deck? Like, they'll, say, stop the deck and just reshuffle or something? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, at least if you were, like, a, a card counter, you could go there and at least attempt it and not worry about getting banned. What I what I did, I actually did this once in the Borgata. I just tried it as an experiment, knowing they couldn't kick me out. Like, what if I just obnoxiously card count? What will happen? Right. So I did, and that's what they would do, is they would uh, suddenly shuffle up. Right. And, and then they would, uh, like a six-deck shoe, they'd suddenly just be dealing out only three of the six decks, which makes it worthless to card count for me. Right. And then um, then I'd say, oh, I'll be clever and go to the other side of the casino. Well, that actually worked for a little bit, but once they got to know me, the second right. I'd sit down, they would just change everything. 
Wow. So that that was that. So that that's pretty much what they do to combat Card County over there. And um, so yes, I've been kicked out. The first time I ever got kicked out, Card County was actually before I even ever played a hand of poker. It was in October of 2000. I went to uh, play blackjack for the first time as a card counter. I'd played it many times before as a non-card counter, but I, I played it um, at Terrible's Casino. I'm not sure if it was the first place I ever played. Or sorry, I, I skipped something. My first trip playing blackjack, I didn't get barred anywhere. But my second trip, which was two months later in December of 2000, I got barred from Terrible's Casino. Not from the casino, or from the blackjack game. And a guy came out, a pit boss came out who seemed like you're like stereotypical like Italian mafioso type pit boss. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I'm going to have to tell you, you can't play blackjack here anymore. You're too good for this joint. <laughs> That's actually what he told me. You're too good for this joint. So so that was, uh, that was that. And, you know, whenever they've done this to me, I've never argued with them. Because I know that they know what I did. They know that I know. So there's no point to put on airs like, what? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not card counting. What? Like, I don't do, I, I just say, okay. That's it. Like, I, I never try to cause uh, any kind of scene with that because all it does is it's going to hurt you. And, and they'll, you'll never change their mind. Never. Um, okay, here, here are some other questions. Um, have you ever been to Foxwoods? What's your opinion on that place? Answer, no. So I have no opinion, but I bet China Maniac you have because you live not that far from there. Yeah, it's good. I mean... Big casino, clean rooms, three different hotels, um, poker rooms, uh, decent size, a lot of games going. It's a pretty good place. Um, I don't know. It's definitely, I know it's one of the biggest casinos in America. Um, they don't comp you well on table games, but most casinos don't. But um, other than that, I really have nothing bad to say about the place. Okay, uh, another question. Uh, referral code for Stat Clash. I don't have one right now, but you'll be glad to know that Stat Clash, uh, they have renewed for another month, uh, and, and they will be um, actually holding a free roll on this site. And uh, I think a referral code will uh, somehow work into that, so they're going to post information on that shortly. But I don't have any info on that right now. Um, another question. Can you actually make money playing slots? Or being a slot pro? Yes, but you have to be careful. Uh, you have to really, really be disciplined. You have to really know what you're doing. There's a lot of variance to it. You need a large bankroll for a small expected profit. So it's it's uh, and it's very tedious and very very boring. It's it's much less interesting than being a poker pro. Much less. You, you go crazy playing slots all day. Even if it's even if you you, you uh, only play in positive EV spots, it's very very tedious and, and boring. Uh, I actually knew someone who was a slot pro, actually a girl who was a slot pro 12 years ago in Vegas. That was where I first heard about it. She told me all about it. It's probably much easier to do then than it is now too, right? It probably was easier, yeah. Um, Do you invest in any non-traditional investments, I'm being asked. I don't know what a non-traditional investment is he's referring to, so I can't answer. But get more specific, I can tell you. Uh, drug, drug dealing? Yeah, I, I don't know. If it, maybe he's asking about bitcoins. Uh, Druff, did you order the new pulled pork sub at Subway? Did you ask for the tomatoes on the side? Come on, I'm a Jew. I'm not going to order pulled pork. 
got to be kidding me. All right, uh, let, let's see here. Um, besides not instigating road rage from L.A. to Vegas, what are your tips for driving between the two places? I've talked about that before on this show. Uh, my tips are use the truck lane to pass people. You're unlikely to get pulled over for it. I'm not even sure if it's illegal. If it is, it's it's not much. You know, it really isn't a major ticket anyway. No worse than speeding for sure. And um, most people don't use it for passing, so it really is better than a regular third lane. And uh, you know, provided you dodge the trucks that are there, you can uh, use that to pass people whenever you need to. So that's that's useful. Whenever you see it, you should, don't be afraid to pass people. The reason you're much less likely to be pulled over passing people in the truck lane than just regular speeding is because when you're passing someone in the truck lane, you just jump in the truck lane, pass someone, and drunk back, jump back in the regular lane. You're not there for very long, so the chance of a cop seeing you do it is much smaller than if you're constantly speeding you know, for hours on end. Uh, another tip I would give you is to have some kind of device where you can see the traffic. Uh, either your iPhone or, or something where you can look at traffic in real time and then look for ways around it. There are ways around it. There are places you can get off the freeway and uh, ride on a uh, a frontage-type street that runs along the freeway in some places, and you can get by the traffic. Don't just resign yourself to sitting in three hours of traffic if something happens. Uh, Another tip, do not drive west or sorry, do not drive east during the afternoon on weekdays from L.A. to Vegas. So don't don't leave at uh, 3 p.m. on Friday to go to Vegas or you're going to be uh, in big trouble with traffic. But uh, you can leave during the same time from Vegas going to L.A. and it's fine. Because going west typically through through L.A. is pretty good during uh, evening rush hour. East is, make, sure is you have a, make sure you have enough engine cooling, too. I can't imagine breaking down because... Um, you know, your radiator blows because you didn't have enough engine cooling. You'd be sitting in the middle of the desert in the hot sun for hours. Yeah, and 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 the other side of that is in the winter. A lot of people don't expect. You know, they think they think of uh, L.A. of being a place where you don't worry about snow. They don't think about getting snowed out on the drive to Vegas. But believe it or not, you can get snowed out and stranded driving to Vegas, and you will end up being stuck in uh, like San Bernardino. Or if you're coming from Vegas to L.A., you'll be stuck in Victorville or, or Hesperia. And that's because there's a place called the Cajon Pass, which can get a fair amount of snow on a cold winter night if there's precipitation. So be careful that you don't get stranded. And I first learned about this when I actually dated a girl from Victorville when I lived in L.A. And... Uh, she said, hey, I, I want to come see you, but uh, the Cajon Pass is snowed out. I can't come tonight. And I looked, and sure enough, she, it wasn't an excuse. She was right, and she came the next day. Right. So uh, be careful with that. If, if, it's, if you see there's going to be precipitation, and it's like January, be careful. Don't drive from L.A. to Vegas. You may get stuck. Um, why do you still drive to Vegas? Aren't there like $19 flights from L.A.? It's a good question. Flying these days, especially if you have any luggage with you, takes a long time. Just the, the airport part of it. You have to get there early enough to check your luggage in, to go through security. 
You can get there an hour and a half before your flight and still miss your flight. And that's not even including the time you have to park. Um, and then you get there, you know, to Vegas, and you have to go rent a car. There's a lot of time involved. You don't save much time, and then you get there, and you don't have your own car. So, and, and you're also not on your own schedule. You're on the schedule of the airline. So, now, if you're in China Maniac's position, you, you can't drive from Boston, but uh, if you're in L.A., I, I would recommend driving. Especially if you can do 300-mile drives and not really care that much. Uh-oh, we're having the echo again. I'm going to call you right back, uh, China. Okay. All right. Skype, uh, give them echoes here. We're going to call China back. And also, the mention of traffic getting to LAX is another good point. Hey, what's up? Yeah, uh, let's let's see if there's any other... Uh, anything else here in the chat room? You can also call to ask these questions if you want. Uh, have you ever had a colonoscopy? No, but I will. Um, I'm 41. The chance of having a colonoscopy, or a colon cancer, shall I say, at 41 is very, very low. And a colonoscopy is very unpleasant. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to put myself through this when there's only a tiny chance that I have colon cancer at this age. Uh, or not have it. If you have it, it's already too late. But that I'm like on the way to colon cancer. Colon cancer is actually a fully preventable cancer. It's one of the few cancers you can actually completely stop. Let's say you started getting a colonoscopy every five years from like the age of 20. You could actually guarantee yourself that you would not die of colon cancer or get colon cancer. Guarantee. Because it takes five years to form. So, so basically, if, if they can clear out any polyps that are there, every five years from a colonoscopy, then you're not going to get colon cancer. Um, you don't bother with this from age 20 because it's so unlikely to get that you're putting yourself through hell for probably nothing. It's recommended to start at age 50. And um, a lot of times they say, oh, don't bother with it if you don't have a family history. That's BS. You should get a colonoscopy at age 50 and every five years after that, whether you have a family history or not. Now, true, if you have a family history, it's more likely. But um, it can get anyone. And that's just a, it's just a crappy way to die when you know you could have prevented it. Right. And, um, and if they find the polyps, they can get rid of them, and it's not, you know, it's not like it's major surgery. So th- this is a, one of the few types of cancer you can totally prevent. And, um, and it's one of these cancers, you know, like most cancers, if, if you do get it, and you don't catch it in time, you don't get the colonoscopies in time, uh, then your prognosis is not very good. Uh, one of my grandmothers died of colon cancer at the age of 66. And uh, for that reason, my father, it was, it was his mother, he had been going for colonoscopy since he was 50. And I believe it's when he was 57 or 55. So something, something in the 50s. They actually found a polyp there that uh, it, it hadn't gone cancerous yet, but the doctor who was very experienced said that uh, from seeing so many polyps on, on, colons, on colons for so many decades that uh, he's come to notice the ones that have a certain look that become cancerous. And he said, this one here that we just took out here, uh, I can't say for sure, but I, I have a strong feeling that would become cancer. So the, the thing is, and my dad is uh, 70 now, if my dad did not have that done when he was in his 50s, 
he probably wouldn't be here today. So, so when do you go back after they take that out? So let's say they cleaned him out, he's fine, then how often are you supposed to go for checkups? Then for I that? think you go back for in two years. If they find nothing, it's five years. If they find a polyp they take out, it's like two years. I think that's the way it works. Okay. So um, that that's... Uh, now, it's it's just not that... Uh, it, it's, it's very unpleasant to do. So... It, like otherwise, if it's an easy thing, you just start doing it from a super early age, and totally guarantee it. So, yes, I'm, I'm taking a small chance right now at the age of 41, not doing it, but uh, it's just still very unlikely before 50, enough to where I'm not going to bother. Uh, let's see. Um, here's a long question from TMML Gay, who's been like hammering with phone calls, but I haven't been taking them. Druff, what's the most degen thing you've seen someone do in a casino? And then he just, re- it's not a long question, he repeats it like, 20 times in the chat room. Seen someone do in a casino. Huh. I'm trying to remember if I saw anything like super crazy in a casino. I mean, I've seen super large bets be placed before. But I, I don't think that's going to really excite anyone. I mean, we've had stories about uh, Ivy losing $6 million in blackjack in one night. I didn't see I- it, but... I've martingaled like a hundred dollars into starting with like ten dollar bets into like three or four thousand dollars, just going double, double, double until I win the hand, and then I go back to the original bet. Yeah, I've done that. I've run like a hundred dollars into like four thousand and lost it all on one hand because I had to put that amount up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean th- that's not like super gen, but. Um, you know, at the same time, that's a lot of money to lose in one hand. How about uh, Dan Bilzerian? Didn't he lose two point five million this past? Yeah, that, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, he posted he posted a picture of two point five million dollars of Aria chips, and then said that he lost all of it, and that his dad told him to stop gambling. And he and he joked, "I told my dad that would make me a quitter." So he's basically saying he's telling his dad he's refusing to quit gambling despite losing $2.5 million in one night. I don't know if I believe he really lost that in one night. I, I believe he had two, that $2.5 million in front of him. I believe he is extremely rich. I believe he got all this money from his dad. I also don't believe he can just tell his dad, F you, I'm going to keep gambling because his dad could cut him off. But um, I don't know. I mean, Darren Bilzerian, I, I know he does a lot of crazy... Degen type things So I wouldn't say That I can't absolutely believe Right But oh here, here's something Thank you to a Trader SHKY You know I actually meant to talk about this Ken Scaler of all people sent, sent me a copy of this article A similar article And I meant to talk about it and then I forgot But um, I'll talk about it now Could be very big actually Breaking news in fact, it's such breaking news, I, I can't talk about it without doing this. California is trying to get online poker. I say they're trying. I mean, they could if they wanted to. But a, um, a state senator, Lou Correa, introduced a an online poker bill, SB 678, and um, it has been reclassified as an urgency bill. And it will take effect immediately if it passes both houses in California and signed into law. Um, the um, This is a, a bill that would make 
online poker legal in the United in, not the United States, in California, which would be much better than the Nevada and New Jersey rooms because California has a gigantic population, and That's California fifty percent of the U.S. market. Yeah, and even if you just go by population alone, you've got like ten percent of the country living in California. Right. So, and of course, I, I, as you said, a bigger percentage of them are poker players too. So, right. um, this this bill would uh, restrict internet gambling to only poker. And uh, let, let me go back to the article that Ken Scaler sent me. It actually gave a lot of details. I can't believe I forgot to read this. I mean, how often does Ken Scaler send me poker news that I don't already know? But he actually did. I just hope if California does, I hope they opt in with Vegas just so this can maybe spread further and further and further. If California winds up passing something like this and they want to just keep that 50% of the market to themselves, I mean, that's fine, but it would be great if they, um, you know, at some point they opted into what Vegas is doing or vice versa. You know? Yeah, so th- this is the Ken Scaler sent article. Uh, State Senator Lou Correa, Democrat from Santa Ana, has introduced a bill to legalize Internet poker in California, but opponents are betting the controversial proposal won't be acted on the coming three weeks before the legislature adjourns for the year. It's pretty bad that they adjourn for the year in three weeks when it's only August right now. Uh, Correa took a placeholder bill and amended it Monday to allow state-sanctioned online poker games for Californians to be operated by card clubs or Native American tribes that run casinos. Internet poker bills have been introduced for three years in California, but none of them advanced to the governor's desk, largely because of disagreements between tribes about who should be able to operate the websites. Some tribes have opposed the measures that would allow card clubs and horse racing groups to operate internet sites that they see as competing with their brick-and-mortar casinos. Korea said his bill has the support of the San Manuel Band of Mission Indians, which operates a casino in Highland, but is opposed by others, including the California Tribal Business Alliance. I don't know who's a member of that alliance, but it sounds like that uh, some of the Indian casinos don't want it. David Quintana, a spokesman for the alliance, predicted that the Korea bill would not be acted on this year. That bill is not going to move, he said. Uh, Senator Roderick Wright from Inglewood chairs the Senate committee that would hear the gambling bills, and he has not scheduled a hearing for any measure, including one of his own. So um, I, I did just read that it was updated to urgency status, which is good. Uh, but... I don't know if it's going to... Sounds like too many people want a piece of the pie. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of people still haven't gotten on board with it yet. It sounds like these Indians are afraid it's going to hurt their business and they want to uh, shut it out. So this would be great if it got passed. And uh, um, a California, Nevada, New Jersey cooperative where they all share players, that would really open the door to the rest of the states doing it too. I think you get California aboard. You have a lot of other states that want to get aboard too, and then it's just a matter of time till it hits federally. So that would, right. this would really, really be huge if it passed. And even if it did not lead directly to a federal legal legality or a lot more states joining in, which I think it would anyway, it would still give people in California a chance to play online poker legally and. Uh, with a huge population that could feed into the player pool. So you really could have active games and good games. So I really hope this happens, but I, I think that guy from the Tribal Alliance is 
correct, it probably will not go anywhere. So I'm not going to get too excited. But we'll see in the next three weeks what happens. And uh, thank uh, Trader SHKY for reminding me about this. And um, uh, and this is uh, JSTAT says in the chat, I'm playing golf with the California State Senate bigwig next month. I'll get the inside scoop about online poker from him. My source actually works with Senator Wright. All right, very good. So that's uh, Roderick Wright from Inglewood. So we'll see. I, I really hope that this happens, and even if you don't live in California or plan to live in California, this could be good for your state as well. So, uh, we can only hope. Uh, online poker will happen legally in, in the United States. It's just a matter of when. But I, I like what I've been seeing recently from these state efforts. And I, I've said for years that that will be the path to making it legal. Will uh, what What's your over-under, just a guess, on when? Win for California yeah, well, or for, for everybody? Nationally. Oh, nationally, I think it'd be a long time. But nationally, I, I think you're going to... I think what we're going to get is a lot of states that join into that opt in. First, we'll get states to just have it for themselves, like it is right now with Nevada. Then the states will join together. Then you'll get more and more states that uh, start to opt in. But I think it'll take a long time to eventually get the majority of states on board. And there will be some states that will never want it. I can't picture Utah wanting it. I can't picture uh, Hawaii wanting it. They've always been very anti-gambling over there. Uh, I I think even a federal bill would probably allow states to opt out. Because I think that states like Utah are going to complain, we just don't want this. Right. But uh, if you say, like, when do I think that most states can play? I think uh, 2000, uh, 2016 is my guess. Mm. I think I can hold off for another two and a half years without it. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, some people I know that have like moved said they don't even really care about it anymore. I mean, of course it would be big if it went national, but um, there's still money to be made if you're overseas or whatever, you know. Or yeah, Canada, that's, or, I mean, that's a lot harder to do though. I mean, sure, California would be a huge thing. You would really get a lot of fish back in there, and it would be right. There are a lot of fish who still want to play, and what you need is a giant population feeding into it, to where there are enough fish to support all the pros. The, the, you know, think about back on party poker in the in the heyday of that. Just yeah. just this endless supply of fish, where even though there were a lot of good players that eventually showed up there, there were just so many fish. The games are still good, and and you need that. You can't just have a few fish supporting all the pros. It's not going to work that way. Yeah, so it needs to be huge. Yeah, you need a big pool of fish to really make it viable for all the pros to make a living on these sites. And uh, you know, it's one thing to have ultimate poker with a few Vegas pros taking a shot at it, but uh, it's another thing for, yeah. You, know, you, you need uh, for for a mass number of people to support themselves with it. You need a very big pool, and I think uh, California would be one that uh, could definitely fit that bill. So we will see where that goes, and and I hope it does. Let me go back to the chat room and take a look. Uh, and uh, um, uh, JSTAT says my source says they are very very close to legalizing online poker. So, anybody else have questions in this chat room? I will answer them, probably. Um, 
Bobby Orr commented about uh, colonoscopies. My dad had two colonoscopies, never complained except for the drink. You know, that's what my dad said, too. He said the drink was the worst part. Yeah, I, guess I know somebody good. that said the same thing. Yeah, I guess they make you just drink this super gross stuff. They're just, like... Like, at first it was hard for me to picture, like, how could that be the worst part? But, like, I know it doesn't taste like this, but th- th- let's say someone made you drink, like, diarrhea. Like, you right. couldn't get that down. Like, you know, just think think about being forced to drink that, and then, then you can picture it. Like, I don't think it tastes like that, but, like, pr- probably something that tastes almost as bad. I've heard, like, something, that you, like, if you pictured yourself drinking laundry detergent or, like, bleach, it's just, like, Ugh. you know, it's just vile, you know, like, the, the, the whatever the hell the shit is. So they they can't drink. do anything to improve the taste, like, a little bit? Like, I, I don't know. Like, you would think that they could add something to it that wouldn't interfere with what the drink's doing, which is, you know, you, the, the drink is needed so the colonoscopy can, can uh, the equipment can see inside of your colon. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, we can... We like, can send rockets to Mars, but we, you know you can't get a good good drink for your colon. Yeah, I mean it doesn't have to be taste great, but at least make it taste like uh, like like cough medicine or something, like tolerable. Right. <laughs> like, like, why does it have to be that terrible? Like, for some reason, with kids' medications, they can always make those taste good. Like, like right. Benjamin always begs to take his vitamins every day because they're like gummy bears. So, um, I don't know. Uh, give us a fantasy football pick. Some fantasy picks? Um, let me take a look here. Let me just pull up my chart. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, you, I see all these experts saying... Um, most of these experts have all these running backs... They suggest you take all these running backs with the first six, eight, ten, twelve, even up to twenty picks. But I'm under the impression it's always been this way. If you get one of the top four scoring quarterbacks, you're you're going to go at least five hundred. And if you have a decent draft, you're probably going to make your playoffs. So I wouldn't always go by what um, these so-called experts say. Um, as far as um, picks, I mean. I think uh, Danny Amendola on New England is going to have 100-plus catches. Um, who else here? Um, I think Des Bryant might have a year comparable somewhere in the neighborhood what Calvin Johnson had last year. Um, Russell Wilson, I think, is ranked too low, and I think he, he's going to have a, a huge year. Um, haven't really done too much homework on things yet. C.J. Spiller, he, he, he could possibly be the top scoring running back I think this year if he gets enough touches um, but I don't know I'll, I'll prepare a little more for that and get some uh, some more stuff for you guys next week maybe now do you think that we will be having a Red Sox Dodgers World Series this year very possible I mean I think the Dodgers have a much better shot because of their their starting pitching is just um, amazing, and they've been hitting the hitting the ball. Um, they've been hitting the ball well, but I mean, they're starting pitching. I mean, that's what's been winning in the playoffs, and what you know always wins in the playoffs. Pitching always beats good hitting, and um, their front four is better than anyone in the majors. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's close. actually what I thought too. I, I thought you know I'm optimistic about this year because uh, what they lacked in prior years in the playoffs when they've made it was that they just didn't have a great starting rotation. And even the, in 08 and 09, they had uh, Kershaw going, but that was a, 
a much younger Kershaw who still needed to develop some. Not, not, it's not the same Kershaw as you see today. Uh, but this year they, they really have a strong group of four pitchers. And, you know, it, it starts in Kershaw and goes on down from there. But um, I, that's how they won in 88 with, with a right. team that was by far not the best offensive team in the playoffs. They were uh, Oakland was a much, much better team offensively than the Dodgers were, and the Dodgers beat them 4-1 right. in, in the playoffs. And then they beat the Mets, who, who just matched up so well against them, they beat them 4-3 to three in the playoffs uh, just because uh, uh, Hershiser was just pitching so great. And right. So, yeah. Well, having... I'll, t- I'll tell you something amazing about um, Kershaw is, um, you know, he has the lowest ERA of any pitcher in their first five seasons since uh, 1920. Yeah, yeah, he really has had an amazing start to his career. I think a lot of people don't realize how much he's done, and uh, a lot of don't realize how great he's been so far. They go, oh, yeah, he's a really good pitcher. They, they don't realize, like, he really could end up one of the all-time great pitchers when it's all done. And it, it is early. If, if he falls if he falls off a cliff uh, right. after this year or something, then you'll just remember Kershaw's good years at the beginning, and then he f- fell apart. Like, you know, and it can happen to anyone. Look at Lynch to come. He fell apart, and... Uh, right. And, and uh, holiday and ones like that, but but right. I, I don't see any signs of it yet. And no. uh, he really, and not only that, he he really does a lot of things to help himself out. He's got an amazing move to pick people off. He's uh, he can even hit okay. He's not he's not as good of a hitter as someone like Granky, but uh, for a pitcher, he's he's a decent hitter and seems to come up with clutch hits. Uh, right. He just uh, and, and he he just. You could tell he takes the whole craft of pitching very, very seriously. So much to where if he, like I, when I watched him pitch the last time, he was in the eighth inning. He was pitching a shutout. He allowed a double, and then with that guy, like two outs or something, he he allowed a walk. And when he gave up that walk, he was so angry at himself. He, you saw him get so mad as if he just gave up the game-winning home run. Right. But he just gave up a walk. It was still a shutout. But but right. he he was so mad at himself. And and that's that's how he takes it. Whenever he he doesn't perform to the super high level he set for himself, he actually gets mad and then like just dwells on it and, and just tries so hard to uh, to make it better the next time. I, this, he just uh, really really is an amazing pitcher, and, and he's been doing this for a few years now. It's not just someone who came out of nowhere and, and had some great season that could be a fluke. So uh, this is. Definitely the best pitcher in baseball right now, and uh, it, it could last for years to come, and that would be a huge thing for the Dodgers. It always irritated me so much how they gave away Pedro Martinez, who, right. could, have been, who could have been that for them in the 90s. Right. Yeah, see, I think Kershaw will keep doing this for many years to come because, one, he's young. He hasn't hit his prime. Two, he's so smooth. He doesn't have a violent delivery He's in good shape, and the, the thing about not having a violent delivery, he's just not – when you watch him pitch, it's so smooth. He's not putting, like, extra stress, like, here, there, or wherever, and it's just uh, it's just amazing. And the guy knows knows how to pitch. I mean, he's – I think his whip this year is, like, .85 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's I mean. amazing numbers he has this year, and, and he's just he had them, these great numbers year after year, and uh, – and, you know, you put this guy in the playoffs with, with a decent offense behind him. I, the Dodgers, for some reason, can't score runs all that well when he pitches. But uh, um, you put him in the playoffs, and then you have uh, Granke as the number two, who's, who's done a fairly good job this year. And uh, uh, it seems to be getting better as the season goes on. And uh, 
you know, and then you have Ryu and Velasco who are great for number three and four pitchers. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough to beat. Now, of course, what scares me for the Dodgers in the playoffs this year is the same thing that gave me hope in other years recently, where they were far from the best team, and I, I thought, well, maybe they'll luck into it. Maybe they'll they'll luck. I remember they beat uh, they beat the Cubs one year where the, where the Cubs were much better. They swept them three nothing. They beat the Cardinals another year where the Cardinals were a much better team. Um, I, there's a lot of short term luck in baseball. It's not like basketball where the the vastly inferior team almost never beats the superior team in a series. Right. Uh, in baseball, it can happen to anyone. So I actually do worry that. Maybe the Dodgers will just be cold during the playoffs or run into a team that's hot and uh they'll lose. So um but but still this this is the year since eighty eight by far that they have the best chance to not only make but win the World Series. Yeah, I agree. I mean what's what are they they're like they were up until a few days ago, were they forty two and eight? And yeah, they're forty two and eight, yeah. And then they lost two in a row. But uh um, Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, so that, that that was insane. That was the first time in 71 years that it happened. And that's, a, that's a, not just for the Dodgers, for any team to go 42-8 and eight in a stretch. And, uh, right. And so that's, uh, so yes, they, a lot of that is because they had the money to spend and, and you know, finally threw a ton of money at the team. But, uh, you know, people like Kershaw, they're not paying him any, he's barely making anything this year by baseball standards. When's he a free agent? Because um, I think it sure may be. Boston, I think it may sure be after Boston this year. Love to give him a huge contract. I, I think it may be after this year, and I, I'm, I'm sure they'll keep him. I'm sure they'll give him some huge contract and keep him, and uh, hope he doesn't get hurt or uh, go into the toilet. But you know, it's funny. Like they gave the giant contract to Matt Kemp, and he's done nothing this year, and they're, they're still rolling on. They're still okay. okay we, uh, you can't play. We'll still, we'll still win without you. Right. So it would be amazing if he hits the free agent market, like. Uh, how high of a contract he's going to get? I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like a bigger and longer contract than A Rod got. I mean, I could see someone like the Yankees or even the Red Sox getting into a bidding war with them, unless you know. And I'm sure he's going to want the money because he knows they have the money. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, Bobby Orr saying, "Remember the year this Tigers started 35 and five? Yeah, I remember that in '84. And I remember seeing that, and like, you know, if they don't win the World Series after this, that's going to be." Uh... Huge letdown. Then they did, but uh, uh, that was the year the Cubs actually made the playoffs, uh, and they they thought that they they may win the World Series that year, but they uh, they did not. The Padres too. I think that uh, Willie Hernandez actually won the Cy Young as a reliever that year for the Tigers. I like uh, <laughs> Lou. Fa- I knew this topic would get Lou Father pissed off because I'm not talking about the Tigers. And he's a very big Tigers fan. He says, well, "How will you deal with J.V. Scherzer and Annabelle the Cannibal?" <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, pretty they, good they, uh, yeah, they 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 definitely have a good rotation over there. There's no question. And that's uh, um, you know what the, the Dodgers, even in recent years, even before this year when they got good, they've actually always done well against teams that uh, also have good pitching. And uh, that, that's why they've like the teams that that don't hit as well and they have the the stronger pitching. They've actually handled those teams a lot better than the teams that that uh, that are more offensive squads. That's why they had such a hard time with the Phillies in '08 and '09 because those were uh, teams with great hitting and the Dodgers just couldn't handle it. I, I think this year they might be able to handle it because they they've just got such amazing pitching. But uh, anyway, um, no, and they're hitting the shit out of the ball too. <laughs> yeah. 
they they, they are they are hitting the, the hitting it, it's still kind of inconsistent it's, it's still if during that run of course it was good right but but they they're there's towards the end of that run there started to be some inconsistency where they kept blowing it with men in scoring position blowing opportunities not only scoring you know two runs three runs and and they just kept winning because the pitching was so good but right. uh and they, they did have those amazing comeback games like the one they were down six nothing but um everybody wants me to two people are saying draft check out my post on bitcoins so now I got to go read the forum as I'm doing the radio show here which I'm going to end very soon by the way we're almost done uh, let's see here. Um, oh, this is interesting. This is posted by Baron von Strucker on the forum. The Germany's Federal Ministry of Finance has confirmed that bitcoins are recognized in this country as a type of private money. So... You know, this is starting to happen. A, a judge also ruled that in a uh, Bitcoin scam, that 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 the the uh, guilty party of the scam was actually scamming people for real money and not just you know imaginary coins. And that's that's a big deal because once Bitcoins can be translated into real money, then the government can really start clamping down on uh, illegal Bitcoin businesses and or also anyone who treats Bitcoin as a currency because the U.S. government hates alternative currencies to the U.S. dollar in, in the U.S. So uh, we have TMMLK back on here just, just because the show is about to end, and I, I figured I'd give him one more shot. So what, what would you like to say? Well, I'm just wondering if you can do a prank call, because everybody in the forum wants you to call about the bed bugs as a prank call. That's a good idea, but I don't have time. I'm going to do it next week. I actually uh, uh, I was planning to get out of here by 10, so um, that's something I had to do tonight. So unfortunately... If, if this had been suggested, I just kept seeing prank call, but I didn't have any ideas. That actually is a decent idea, but the good thing is it's not going away. So next week I can do it again if somebody reminds me. And uh, well, you don't read your own site. Are you the next mic on, or I, I read the chat room as much as I can, but I'm doing the show at the same time, so it's hard to do all of this. I, I've actually was able to read the chat room more than usual this week because I have a co-host. Otherwise. There's like a long pause when I read, and that doesn't sound very good, especially for the people in the uh, archives. But uh, Tom Brady is God. New England is balling. All right. What do you think of that China maniac? I agree. Brady's Thanks. looked amazing the first couple of games here. They're gonna cut Tebow though. Uh oh. I agree. He probably, they probably will. Oh, man. If Chinese Maniac is admitting they're going to cut Tebow, that's a bad sign for Tebow. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We will be back next week, maybe with more material, maybe with less. Depends what happens in the world of poker. August 27th will be the next show. Also on a Tuesday, as usual, 7 o'clock or thereabouts, as usual. A free roll, as usual. And I'd like to thank all listeners, both live and in in the archives wherever you listen archives no it's the archives happy to have you uh TMML Gay what would you like to say closing comments for the night here um just not to shut me off snap me off clean anymore I think I've given you ample time on the show today I know but you you gotta realize I'm the fucking savior of this show every week I I wouldn't go that far here you're you're, you're the something of the show every week I don't know if savior is the right term (laughs) Ballin'. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Poker Pete responded. I told him, I said, TMML Gay just gave you a shout out on air, and he was just asking where. I told him. He Who's said, Poker Pete. <laughs> the guy you gave us, the guy you gave, always give a shout out to. Who's I'm, I'm going to be coming back for this site for another year. So. Yeah. Well, some of us will miss you. Will you miss me? Some of us will miss you. Well, who's some of us? I don't, obviously, I, I can't think too badly of you if I'm connecting you onto the show all these times, including at the very end. I mean, the, this will be the last thing people remember of the show this week, and they'll remember yeah, your but, voice. But you do it for ratings. No. I gave up on ratings a long time ago. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and for putting up with uh, certain co-hosts. <laughs> Later, fake. Yeah, okay. Good night, everybody. Shalom. Thank you, China Maniac, night. for joining us this week. Well, thank you, and good night. Good night, China. <laughs>